Blog Talk Radio. Use the 
don't be thrown off, they be so lost. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. Peace, peace, peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue Pill. Okay. Very soon to be joined by my co-host, Brother Red. Welcome back to another phenomenal episode of Know the Ledge Radio. Hi, family. Just open the chat room so family can uh, go over there and check it out. All right. Definitely let the family fill in. Shout out to the family. Welcome back to everyone who joined us on last Tuesday's program. Profound episode, you know what I'm saying? Definitely been getting a lot of inboxes, a lot of positive feedback about that particular episode, and um, a lot of interest about the upcoming event as well. Brother Minister Enki and Dr. Ali Muhammad are having at uh, Black and Nobel. Shout out to Black and Nobel. Okay? Shout out to the Black and Nobel family. All right? Um, just got word about Ed Koch's lick shots to Ed Koch. Okay. No rest for that bastard. For the family that might not be familiar because, you know what I'm saying, this is not even, this ain't even what I do. I don't go around disrespecting the dead, but, you know, as a, as a youngster, there's little covenants that you make with yourself and you like, Day this nigga go, I'm gonna ride that motherfucker to the hellfire. Like this, this nigga hell. Ed Koch was the mayor of New York during the crack era. Relentless asshole. You know what I'm saying? Like he was the poster child of just oppressive racism. You know what I'm saying? And and I can't even like you had to be there to understand what I'm talking about. You know when my calls comes in. Hopefully we could build upon getting that understanding to the family who might not be cognizant of of the level and the degree that this bastard, you know what I'm saying, situated himself atop New York City politics and used it as a bully pulpit to, like, really denigrate, you know what I'm saying, melanated youth here in the city, totally disrespectful. And I know that, you know, certain bootleggers and, sh- and, 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 and stuff like Al Sharpton, who technically, you know, it's supposed to be the day that they've been waiting for all of their lives as well to tell the truth about this person, 
you know what I'm saying, I know that because of his introduction recently into the Boule, the Boule and that's not conspiracy, that's not conjecture. I got the, 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 the video when he was inducted into that particular uh, fraternity and everything in his life pretty much changed afterwards. But anyway, you know what I'm saying, they they they, they got they got uh, muzzles on their mouths now. You know what I'm saying? The people like Khaled are no longer here. You know what I mean? And it's just that type of spirit that would tell it like it is about who this person was and what he represented. You know what I'm saying? Who opened the Central Park Five and sent them little children to jail for an untold amount of years when they know good damn and well that they didn't commit that crime. That terrified the youth of New York. And it changed a lot of things in the city, you know what I'm saying? And that bastard was at the helm of that, all for political purposes, you know? So him, Trump, you know, it's a few of them that we can't wait. Just can't wait. So please overstand. Let me um, go on over the line for my co-host. Call her from the 347 Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Peace to the family. Peace to the family. Welcome to Northern Less Radio. You are now rocking with the best. This is your co-host, Brother Red Pill. Report live and direct. Peace. Yeah, hello? Yeah, don't fall for that egg hot shit. You heard? They're going to try to run a radar in. You know, he's, he's the one responsible for turning New York into Disneyland. And um, that's far from the truth, you know what I mean? Dude was super arrogant, very racist, blatantly racist. Blatantly. Uh, blatantly. He spearheaded a lot of the campaigns, you know what I mean, against the black youth, quote-unquote black youth, in the 80s, you know what I mean? That, um, you and know, did, just... Did that burn happen on his duty? Yeah. Burn, I guess, you mean. No, I know about Bernard, Bernard. I guess. I'm talking about Ed Burns when Pappy Mason and them, you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, with the whole Ronald Reagan thing. And Queens. Uh, yeah. And, I don't, I'm not sure if they think in TNT. Or Cox. And that pretty much started the campaign of when the war on drugs went from a local level to a federal level. And they, a lot of these uh, task force and these jump out Gestapo-type tactics that they are still leaning upon today, calling it stop and frisk, you know what I'm saying, and they got the uh, the anti-gun police or what have you. All of that was pretty much implemented under the reign of Ed Koch. Now, granted, <laughs> there's only one devil, you know, in the history of New York that's bigger than Edward Koch, and that's Rudolph Giuliani. <laughs> He came and finished, you know what I mean? He came in at the end to finish that work, you know, the, the Ed Koch. Yeah, he was the finisher. It's almost like Bush finisher. and Reagan in a way, the way that they work, work together. But, um, you know, don't, don't, you know, and then there was a whole bunch of things like Yusef Hawkins, you know, a lot of racial, um, a lot of um, incidents that occurred in the, uh, in the timeline that this man was mayor he blatantly he he was the rise of Al Sharpton. Ed Koch was the rise of Al Sharpton. No, and this is what I'm trying to explain to the family because they don't know the Al Sharpton that we grew up with. Unfortunately, you know what I'm saying. All of that has been 
talking about Al Hollywood. We ain't talking about bobblehead shopping. We're not talking about that guy. We talking about Washington <clears throat> set his shit straight laid out. You know, uh, David Yerman chain on the little tiny I'll ass uh, belly. the gold yeah, anchors yeah. and the cross. The Sergio Tashini sweatsuits, you know what I mean? Um, Le Coq Sportif sweatsuits. We're talking about and that. Chicken Al. Grease. We're talking about Ginny yeah, Al. Al. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're talking about uh, chitlin breath, neck bones under your fingertips. Al shopped it. Like, you know, we're talking about the Goodyear. We're talking about the, uh, what was the dude from the Ghostbusters? The Pillsbury Boy. man. We talk about marshmallow man out sharpened, Tawana Brawley out sharpened, different animal than what you see now. Yeah, totally, totally different, different animal. animal. I don't know who got to him and what they did to the man, but no. I explained to the family that you know I saw the induction ceremony. There was an article I read the article and they had a video that went along with it when he had he had got honorarily um, inducted into the boule. Okay. This yeah. is not a conspiracy theory. This is something that physically and actually took place and is press on it and everything because that is a uh, quote unquote upstanding um, you know, Greek fraternity or what have you and yeah. brought them in. And ever since then everything done changed. You know it goes saying? back but, to um the uh, the Umar show where we saw see, people don't understand like yeah, you had to be here in the seventies. That, that's what Jack, the young whippersnappers don't get it. Like, not only did you have to be here in the 70s, you really had to be here in the 80s, and you really had to be uh, awake in the 90s to understand the world that you're living right now. Like, this shit is an ongoing saga. So it's like Star Wars. It's in its eighth or ninth episode. Like, just you just had, because if you don't see it from the beginning, if you didn't, if you go into the movie theater and watch the shit from the middle, you playing catch up. It's gonna be hard to understand yeah. like, the, the the layout. If, if Geronimo and them, you know what I'm saying, sitting bull and them had a radio show and they were systematically explaining to you or the Mayans and they were talking about, you know what I'm saying, Cortez and what have you and they was explaining people that systematically had a hand in their culture and their civilization down. That is who Ed Koch represented to New York City youth. So by way of us, it was to hip-hop and it was to everyone else to receive that signal. They're the ones, you know what I'm saying, that was on the reign when they were like, oh, hell no, this can't take place. Let's get these corporate entities, you know what I'm saying? And they just attack from every which way. And they just, they just, they goliath that bitch. You know what I'm saying? So that's what he dedicated his life to. Fuck it, Koch. Yeah. He took the dinosaurs out, B. So don't 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 shed a tear for that dude at all. Don't don't yeah. fall for that. Niggas he watching CNN, you know what I mean, getting caught up, be on Twitter and shit talking about, you know, rest in peace at Koch, we love you. So let me see that tweet. No, that's not that's not what's yeah. up right there. For the family that's trying to get into the chat, you might have to refresh your computer a few times. Block Talk has a new system, if you haven't noticed. You know what I'm saying? They they done got fancy on us, so, of course, there's a, you know, there's going to be kinks and what have you. So, you know, just keep trying to refresh it 
Hello? Hello? Hmm? Yeah. And what's his name? Um, The next George Bush. He going to be the next one. You know what I'm saying? He going to be the next one to go. Make sure you get your celebrations put in place for that too, because you're gonna kick the bucket next. And after that, it's gonna be a rain. It's gonna be. I said, the older George Bush. You know, he's gonna be the next one. Oh yeah, he's next up. Yeah, he next up. You know what I'm saying? So please don't lose sight. If anybody needs to be reminded about what he... We might need to do a show. You know what I'm saying? About Reagan, Bush, Koch, and Giuliani, the four horsemen. You heard? Yeah, well, it's good, though, other than all of that. What's going on with you? I'm in the building, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the building. Yeah, okay. You know, trying to yeah, speak. Man, I've been getting a lot of, uh, lot of feedback, you know what I mean? A lot of people hollering at me about this Super Bowl thing here. You know? They're building it up. Bro, you know, I had to debate as to whether I was going to do a show on that tonight. I got so much information, but what I did do, you know, I took some precious time out on my own schedule, and I put together a 44-page um, PDF detailing what it is that I've been able to decipher in terms of all of the 44 connections to pinpoint exactly as to who's going to walk away with this thing, because... Don't think that you could just Google 44 Super Bowl and you're going to come up with your own conclusions because this is a very deceptive Super Bowl. Both teams are equally yoked in 44s. The 44s are playing heavily on both sides. So, you know, you might be looking for 44s and you're going to see them on one side. You're going to look for them on the other side and you're going to see them. But there's things that I'm sure that you haven't caught and haven't seen. And there's a story to this. As always, there's a story why would something take place on a stage such as the Super Bowl where billions of people are watching and your intelligence that many people refer to as many different names isn't going to have a hand and you know what I'm saying, playing out some sort of story. So for the people that think that everything in life is random and this is just another game of sport, this might not be for you, you know what I'm saying? But for those that understand intricately that there's always – a story to be played out, and there's always gems that are being dropped, and they want to pick some of them gems up and polish them off and actually, you know, add some value to this information. Again, I am imploring you to email me. I no longer am going to be, you know, I'm not about, quote, unquote, accepting nobody's funds and putting up, you know what I'm saying, any, quote, unquote, I ain't going to get into that. Ain't none of us in Vegas right now, so we don't even need to be talking about that on the open air. You know, what you need to do, family, is holler at me on the back end. 
and I'll explain to you how this operation is working for Sunday. If you miss out, that is your fault. Please don't come on the show or in my inbox Monday morning talking about you wish you would have this time or other. What our people need, I'm finding first and foremost, you niggas need to stop saying that you're conscious and go back to church. Find yourself some faith, build that shit back up, and then come back over here. You know what I'm saying? And then these things will start working for you. Okay? I'm talking about finances. They still have this concept because you could come to Block Talk, you could come to Know the Ledge and get something priceless for free. We have done the people almost a disservice by making this shit so sweet. So they 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 don't know how to understand it. You know what I'm saying? Freedom ain't free. One, you only get out of something what you put into it. Two, you know what I'm saying? Niggas do not donate to this platform. Make no contribution to keep these wheels spinning. Three, if you cared anything about yourself or your family, you would invest in yourself and your family. Four. And that's not only with this particular wager. It's platforms that continuously give and just give and just give. And I'm sure I'm not only talking for ourselves and our platform. I'm sure there's other people on other platforms that have the same problems, have the same situations, have the same discrepancy. You have no idea how much time out of a day this takes. The preparation of this shit is a job that nobody gets paid for. So... You know, the only thing we ask for the family is make a contribution to that which continuously gives to you. You have to reciprocate energy to keep the cycle moving. You have to. Or it's going to become unbalanced. And then at the end of the day, you're just stealing. So, again, the family that thought that they were going to get something for free in regards to the Super Bowl, I do apologize, but... uh. You know, that ain't what's up. You feel me? It's not what's up. So inbox me, pmorpheus at gmail.com. Like I said, I got a – I ran into – I'm explaining to people how I came to my conclusion, and because they feel a certain way or they have an allegiance to a said particular city, right, or a player – they feel a certain way, and they're telling me, I, you know, I don't know, son. So you know what? Like I said, you can make a contribution for the PDF, okay? This is for learning purposes only, to help you decipher and understand how to utilize numerology. You can take these learning materials and decipher the outcome yourself because you might see something that I don't or something might speak to you genuinely, not how it's speaking to me. But what I can utilize and give you and provide to you is a profound amount of information, more than you ever bargained for. You know what I'm saying? I done got every which way you could conceivably think of to look at the thing. And I'm sure that I might have left some things out because this is life, and these variables continuously change every day. There's things happening. The spread is changing every day. So there's things changing every day. You feel me? But I got enough information mm-hmm. when you can get a handle on it yourself. If you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go the direction in which I'm directing you, you have every right to make a choice and a decision for yourself and your posterity. 
only thing we ask is you make an informed decision that you know the ledge. Dig what I'm saying? So with that being said, like I said, you know, be a better, not a sweater. Holler at me. You know what I'm saying? Why take a chance when you can even up the odds? That's it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. You know what I mean? Somebody had to say it. With that being said, definitely look forward to tonight's program. This one here. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, this one here. Just one second, because I normally don't do this shit, man. I don't rant. But a nigga had the nerve to inbox me today and talk about, yo, with you a conscious bookie? <laughs> a conscious bookie? Why you just can't be a bookie? I'm not a bookie, and I ain't a conscious bookie. I have intellectual property that I wish to engage with people that are willing to pay a premium for. Why can't I willingly engage in business with my people? Why got to be anything? Because to say the niggas ain't going to be sitting there, you know what I'm saying, trying to figure this shit Indulgent. out. Indulgent. Yeah. That's just ludicrous. You're going to want to know who's going to win if you're watching it. Okay, how conscious you are. It. You know what I'm saying? Okay, how many books you read or videos you looked at? Oh, if you don't need eggs. Engaged in. If you're not engaged in it, this conversation is not for you. But if you're engaged in it and you want the edge or the advantage because that's what this particular thing is about, like I said, just offering information. There should be no reason to start labeling the person. Oh, you were unconscious. You're dealing with that. No, I'm having a communication with the universe. And this thing right here, this happens to be my platform. I know what I'm doing when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, this particular thing. I have a unique communication with that particular number, and I'll be goddamned if that thing ain't running the show. This Super Bowl. Feel me? Like all the way down to the halftime? Like they went all the way in like that? Come on. In 2013, which is just two 13s, which is just 44 altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. Yes, sir. But you know, this is is uh, and again, it's about it's about it's about the twin energy. So, I took special interest to that. You know what I mean? I took special interest, and everything that the family saying one team is about, the other team has that quality as well. You're looking inside of a mirror. That's what the forty fours represent. You're gonna see the reflection. That's why it's a brother's bowl. Okay, because the whole theory or the 52 fake out at the end of the day is that you all playing for the same team. The illusion yep. is competition. Just like them brothers are showing you, these are the fucking lessons that the universe is showing you. At the end of the day, a hard ball wins. Okay, one of them, uh, one of them brothers with one of them last names is the ones that's going to walk away with the victory. So guess what? The whole family wins. You think the father's taking? Exception is to say, I want this one to win over that one. Him and his wife will walk away victors. 
Bottom line, regardless of which way it go, the only thing that they don't control is the wages and the bets. That's what the people benefit from. But the actual victory is always yours. So if me and Red was going against one another, we both lose. You know what I'm saying? We play for the same team. It's an illusion that you're playing opposite yourself. So, all right. That's it, B. Maybe I could do my rant next week. You think? Maybe so. Yeah. Well, good luck with everybody uh, this Sunday. For those who are participating, enjoy your night, enjoy your day, enjoy your party, enjoy your game. And, you know, for those that are going to benefit from it, you know what I'm saying, Mazel tov. You know, shit, do it up. And that's it. I remember last year around this time, interesting. It was a good time. That good old Giants. Yeah, I remember that. And that seems so long ago, too, right? I mean, think about it, a year ago? Right, ages ago. It seemed like forever. Or at least two years. Fair, at least like it was two years ago. Or so much has changed. So much has remained the same. You know what I mean? But yeah, let's get into the show. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. We're definitely uh, at that mark at 930. Is there any announcements about anything that's going on in the town or surrounding areas or if any one of the uh, KTL professors may be doing something that the family needs to know about before we get into it? Uh, not that I'm fully aware of, you know what I'm saying? Not fully aware of anybody coming through the building. I understood that uh, Brother Umar came through and did his thing in Brooklyn. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I saw a picture. Yeah, I saw a picture on the page. Yeah, I saw him all phonetics. And he seems to be charged. I see him. He, he He's moving with a whole different energy. Right now, you know what I'm saying? He definitely has picked up speed since his Brooklyn trip. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, shout out to Brother Umar. Um, shout out to everyone that participated and attended that event, especially the KTL family participants. You know what I'm saying? You represent us, so I want to salute you. Uh, shout out to my big brother, Lord Cassius, who was in town this past yeah. Wednesday in Harlem yeah. at the Zulu event. Shout out to the Zulus. Yeah, I still need that picture. Um, light. My brother, Dr. Shaka Zulu, you know what I'm saying? His um, father made the transition. Yeah, so we definitely yeah, send our condolences. condolences. And I love and I like that brother and his family. Outside of that, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, of any other announcements off the rip that I need to make. I know Sister Kafunia has something coming up. Uh, we're going to have a flyer dropping for that in the very, very, very near future. So I believe, you know, because we're here, we in February. This is coming up like the uh, second week, you know what I'm saying, the second week, the second or third week. I'm going to have the information for the family 
you know, before we uh, check out tonight. All right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, so, um, yeah, tonight's episode with tonight's guest, Dr. Nasir Ali. It's been a long time coming, you know what I mean? Um, once again, back to this whole, it feels like eight years ago, or me and a brother were building. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, family. All right, so, again, we want to shout out everyone that's in the building, everyone who joined us last Tuesday for that monumental show. You know what I'm saying? That was uh, definitely definitely one for the record books. Off the hook, if the family missed it, make sure that you check that out. A lot of information, you know, resident doctor, KT the Arc degree, he also checked in and started dropping gems on them. So, you know, it's just just an archive full of information. You know? Y'all got to check that out. Yeah, Blue. Yes. Yeah, pardon me. Um, Like I was saying before I clicked over, that um, the brother has been on the show twice already, right? Am I correct? Right. He's appeared on the show twice. His first show was about the Paleo-American. And for those who may not be familiar with that term, that is basically the indigenous aboriginals of the Americas, of this land in which the majority of us are staying on right now. He um, coined the phrase, he didn't coin the phrase, but he termed it, the Paleo-American, and he did a monumental presentation to speak on that. Uh, I definitely um, recommend that the family go into the archives into the year 2010. I believe that was his first. Nah, real talk. I believe that was his first show. I believe so. That was his first. Uh, uh, Mm-mm. It was 2011. He might have came back. You know what? I can't. I'm warped. Baby. It's, it's, yeah, I'm, I don't even I'm, know. I'm, I'm warped too. So, according to the time machine, it may be in 2010, but it just might be in 2011. But I know that he that was his first show, and then the second show that the brother did was a show on economics. Okay, it was right. In the in the right right around the time when we began picking up full steam on this whole economic thing, and the brother came through. I'm talking about totally blew the door off of the hinges with the information that he brought forth. Because mind you, this brother is a doctor, so the information is you know is coming at you from that kind of standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Very very you know. Uh, angle of uh, scholarship that, you know, everybody doesn't possess. And he gave, uh, I mean, in my humble opinion, like if you were on the line and you had the income or the disposable income or the investment, you know, the money to invest and what this brother was talking about, 
totally out of here. Like the information that he gave you was a straight blueprint, straight Rockefeller startup money. Like he gave it, he laid it out. You know what I mean? And I really, you know, I don't, I don't like to hope a lot, but at this time, I'm, I'm just gonna say that I hope somebody, if not, you know, what I mean, at least if one person took that information that he brought on the show that day and did something with it. I don't care if you sold Obama erasers. Like, I don't care if you were selling, I don't care if you were selling, you know, guava juice. It don't matter. Like, whatever you decided to do, I just hope that that show was either the battery in the back that you needed, the boost, you know what I mean? Whatever it may be, he, he, he came through and did his job. You know what I'm saying? Then he disappeared for a while. So now we have the honor and the pleasure of presenting this scholar. You know what I'm saying? One of the one of this brother is a hidden gem. He's not on Facebook. He's not all over the place. He has his own network and he's doing the work. I believe the brother's out of Chi Town, aka you know, Micah. And, um, you know, I look forward to the show tonight, okay? And in commemoration of, quote-unquote, Black History Month, we are going to open up the show in that month, being that today is the first of the month. I hope y'all got your checks. And we're going to talk about human rights as opposed to civil rights, okay? And that, that definitely should be... Um, Excellent presentation. So, Blue, do you have the description in front of you? Yes, I do. All right, let's get it going. Absolutely, indeed. Okay. Join us tonight on Nevertheless Radio as we welcome back to our, we welcome back one of our resident scholars, Dr. Nasir Ali. His brother has delivered profound information dealing with the science of economics, but tonight he will discourse on international human rights, a global hot-button topic. What designates human rights, let alone a human? If you have a belly button, are you a human being as opposed to a civil entity? As compared to human rights, how do you protect these human rights? What may happen if you don't secure said protections? Tune in tonight's. Tune in for tonight's riveting program and find out some startling facts about our global state of affairs, family. So with no further ado, we present to you caller from the 708 362. Good evening, brothers. Hey, how you gentlemen doing this evening? All is well in yourself. I'm always glad to hear your voices and glad to see that you are still here since the last time I met you. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely, indeed. You have been um, definitely missed by our audience. Uh, we get constant, regular inquiries about when your return will be, so we are more than honored to welcome you back tonight on the program. And thank you again for the introduction. I really uh, appreciate that. Um, I've been really trying to get back um, and I guess things kind of lined up and converged rather quickly. Um, I know yeah. we have been trying to get back together for a couple of months now. So 
brother contacted me, and I contacted him back, and we were finally able to uh, to really get moving. Um, so when we were discussing the topic for today, uh, I really have. Hmm, how can I use this term? The international human rights piece has taken on kind of another level of depth and height and width uh, with me personally. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's the reason why I wanted to, to raise it here in this uh, particular opportunity. Um, I just made contact earlier this week with some folks out in California with a sister who's doing a, a theater production and got on that radio talk show, and they were kind of, you know, they were just getting the first the first blast of the Paleo-American and the International City, so they were still kind of adjusting to it. Whereas here, you all have already had uh, several opportunities to kind of process the information, kind of take an idea as to what's going on. That's why I wanted to move in this particular um, talk show about the international human rights itself, just as a standalone topic, because it, it applies whether or not the individual may self-identify as a Paleo-American or a Nawabian or African-American or black or Negro or colored or white or German or Panamanian or South Africana or Australian. It doesn't really matter. If you have a belly button, meaning you came from a mommy, you know, then these rights apply to you. Even the, the yeah, the, you got to kind of balance this a bit. So when you take that in contrast to the Citizens United court case in the Supreme Court, where they say corporations are persons too, we're not talking about persons. We're talking about humans, human beings. Okay, this is this is not an artificial entity. It's not a distinction between a natural person and an artificial person. We're actually talking about humans, flesh and blood people. And I kind of have to make sure that I stress that point because before there were corporations, there were humans. Yes. So I kind of look at international human rights as an international attempt to really begin to move towards restoring the proper priority between a human and a fictional person. Who comes first? Um, And when I say human, um, I kind of want to clarify that too. Um, I do not mean or attempt to infer that by human I mean an animal. Um, I am not aligning myself with any particular religion or spiritual path, but, and also, I do acknowledge that there's certain things that science cannot explain. Energy cannot be created or destroyed it's just my personal perspective. Something had to create it outside of the physical energy itself, and I kind of stopped there. I won't really go beyond that because then you get into personal beliefs 
but that's a fact, and we'll just kind of leave it right there. If that's the case, there is something else out there, regardless of how you choose to structure that in your system and related to how you interact with the universe, that's an individual choice. Okay? And as a human, <laughs> there's a declaration that says you can't be discriminated against because of your belief or religion. So I'm just, you know, you can't really go there either and discriminate against somebody there either. You kind of let that be. That's an individual personal choice. But when I, I mention the word human, I do not mean animal. Um, I do personally reject the statutory definition of an animal including man or human beings. I do not think that humans are animals. Nor do I believe that humans are animals or infer that humans are animals. Um, mm. and, and by that I mean Title Seven of the United States Code 136 subsection D. It actually identifies animals to include man, and I reject that. I'm not talking about that human, because <laughs> that human as an animal is kind of, and, and I'm just going to be a bit blunt, that's kind of stupid, uh, because if man is an animal, then you have animals telling animals what to do, and that's kind of stupid. If you're an animal, that means you're a mindless creature, and you have no compunction to anything outside of um, survival of the fittest, and everything that we call structure society is as we all know, just merely creations. But if you're an animal, and if you put yourself in the position of being an animal, then you should get tagged in your ear, and you should get branded, and you can <laughs> get sent to a cattle bride, you can get slaughtered, and somebody can make money off your butt cheeks and grind it up in a hamburger. I mean, that's what I think of when I think of animal. And if you approach human rights with the definition that man is an animal, you have to be careful what comes back to you. So the presumption that, and this is where I try not to get into the religion thing, the presumption that, you know, man is an animal that evolved and the other side of man is a spiritual being having a human experience, the individual has to make that choice. But from a civic perspective, if I was if I was standing in someone else's shoes, I would reject any statutory definition that I'm an animal. That's just me. Because that means somebody else has to think for you because you're an animal. Okay. So I kind of wanted to, to clarify that space just a little bit, brothers, just to make sure because a lot of people are not aware that the federal statutes at large and public laws actually define men and women as animals. It probably will help you understand why folks get treated the way that they do. So that having been said, and now looking at international human rights, it's kind of like um, the difference between the difference between civil rights and human rights is this: civil rights deals with you being a citizen of a nation, and rights that are granted by the founding document of that nation, whether it's the charter or constitution or what have you. Okay, those are your civil rights. Charter. Human rights are a little bit different. They're output of World War II as general agreements across the international community, across this planet that we're all on right now, that there are certain things that cannot be done to you because you have a belly button, because you're a human. 
And it doesn't matter which nation state you're in. It doesn't matter what civil rights differ between the United States and Zimbabwe versus India or Bangladesh or, you know, Taiwan. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet. All these international human rights all apply equally all over the planet. It doesn't even matter if the nation state is a member of the United Nations. I have to point that out. According to the Charter of the United Nations, members of the UN have to superimpose and force and enforce UN law upon non-members. So it doesn't really matter. Everybody has to follow this, wherever you are on this planet. Okay. Um, when I begin to really dig deeper into a little bit more about this international human rights um, I realized that it was a lot more powerful than many of us were paying attention to. Um, And considering that it's well over 50 years old, um, I find it a bit disconcerting that many people are not studying this body of law as much as they should, um, as opposed to civil rights. And the reason I make that statement is For those who are avid students of the Constitution for the United States, um, the Supremacy Clause says this Constitution, and specifically I'm only concerned about the treaties right behind that, because the Rules of Decision Act says that treaties fall right up under the Constitution and federal statutes come up under that. So right after the Constitution and the amendments, is the UN Charter in sequence. And then comes all the other international agreements on the planet. The Charter of the United Nations has a clause in it that says if any clause of this contract slash treaty falls into conflict with any other international agreement, this charter shall prevail. So by the terms of this contract slash charter slash treaty, which was enacted in the federal statute, there is no other document on this planet that supersedes it, period. Not the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, not the Treaty of Camp Homes, none of them. So if you want to carry a big stick that's hard to beat, you might want to grab this lightsaber called the Charter of the United Nations and start waving it around and then start running after people with it. <laughs> okay? That's kind of how I look at it. If you're gonna if you're gonna fight for yourself or you're gonna fight for those that you love, you want to get the best weapon you can that has the least chance of getting blocked and can cause the most damage, or to make people back up as far as possible. I think this would be that tool by its structure, by its placement, um, by its mere design and its intent. Um, there are Supreme Court cases that say. The Charter of the United Nations is not a self-executing treaty. Of course, that only applies if the treaty has not been enacted into federal statute. The person in that particular case just said the Charter of the United Nations was signed and ratified. They did not cite the fact that the legislature actually took the whole Charter of the United Nations and all of its multiple language versions and drop the whole thing into the federal statutes at large as volume 59 statute, and it starts on page 1033 and goes to 1218. So it's like 180-some pages, or almost 180 pages. 
of the Charter of the United Nations. So that means it's a federal statute of laws. That means it is effective in the District of Columbia, all republic states, and all territory and insular possessions. And it doesn't matter. It is effective everywhere. Personally, I have about 83 United Nations declarations that I use on a regular basis. And I was talking to a sister today about going to the U.N. because we're sending some paleo-American sisters to the U.N. in March and again in May, so we're doing some fundraising for that. She uses 25, and she's been up there a while. And, you know, I'm she's grooming me, and I'm returning trying to offer her some information that I have as well. And she said, 83? She said, where'd you get the other 50 documents from? I said, I'll send them to you. And I have studied them to the point now where I don't, think there's pretty much anything that is not a human rights violation. And the fact that people are not using this information for their benefit, for their protection, is beyond a disservice. I would consider it, um, I don't want to use the word lackadaisical because that's not it. I don't want to use the word... um, suicidal because that's not it either. I would probably say that it would be almost self-defeating to not begin to use this information, okay? Um, If you want to get a general idea of some of these United Nations declarations that I'm referring to, you can actually go to, um, I have uploaded a few of them to my website, paleo-american.com. P-A-L-E-O-American.com, and then go to the download section. And I uploaded those from some requests from some of the folks that follow me on Facebook on the Paleo-American page there. And I had a lot of them there, and people were like, well, do you have the actual instrument? I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, where can I get it? I was like, you know what, forget this. Hold on. Let me just upload a couple of these over here, and then you can go get them whenever you want. Um. I had a conversation with a sister um, last year who said that she believes that she was um, not treated well during a interaction with law enforcement. And she was expressing to me what happened. And I said, well, they, they, they might have, you know, they might have done something. And then I said, um, are you familiar with this document called the Code of Conduct for Law Enforcement Officials? It's a U.N. declaration. It obligates all law enforcement officials to never violate their international human rights, and if they are informed of a violation of their international human rights, management is not allowed to tolerate it. They can't act like it didn't happen. It's that serious. And our people are suffering all this problem and all this argument. It's like, well, there's a prohibition that says they can't do this. So why are we arguing about civil rights? No, you're a human first before you're a citizen. You're born, you're human, you got a belly button, your mommy made you. So that's first. Then you start dealing with the other social structures. You know, society, race, nationality, family, whatever you want. That all comes next after that. Okay? So, Indeed. when I... Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm following you, brother. I'm listening. <laughs> okay, because you know I'll keep going. You know we've been here before. I will keep going without stopping. Uh, no doubt. That's cool. Um, when I began to really, and I go shopping at the UN website all the time. 
you know, people are like, what you mean shopping? I go shopping for UN declarations every week. I go see what they do and what resolutions got passed by the General Assembly because declarations of the General Assembly are binding on all UN members, period. It doesn't matter. And they make hundreds of these declarations every year, and there are billions and trillions of dollars in budget money that's flying around at the United Nations. So although some people may say, oh, well, you know, the United Nations is a, a corporation conglomeration of corporate nation states, that's fine. I don't disagree with that. But they happen to be floating around a lot of debt instruments, and people are getting paid and supporting a very nice, lavish lifestyle doing projects up there. And they're providing and creating jobs and economics for themselves, doing projects in the international community related to international human rights. And they're basically writing their own tickets. You don't want to go and find out what they're doing? I do. <laughs> I would. I mean, just, okay, think about this. Um, do you brothers remember when um, Palestine was recognized by the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO? You remember when that happened, like a year, year and a half ago? I believe that, yeah, that, that happened in um at the end of 2012, right? Right. After the bomb. Right after the raid, it took place. Uh, it started on November, and then it went into. Um, and then I believe this happened the end of December or early January. Where they gave yeah, I think a- it was the end. I think it was the end of 2011, the beginning of 2012. Right. Um, when that happened, because there are some laws that were passed by the federal legislature concerning money is going to Palestine, as soon as UNESCO brought Palestine to the table at UNESCO, the U.S. federal government said we can no longer allow our funding to be directed into UNESCO because we have sanctions against them because they're on the bad boy naughty list. And it was made, it was just a comment that was placed there one or two times and then it stopped, but it was very interesting because when the UNESCO department reported that the U.S. pulled their funding, they actually identified the percentage of the budget that the United States was contributing to UNESCO's overall funding. And that number was 40%. The United States was contributing 40% of that one arm's whole budget. And that's coming from taxpayer dollars. So for those who choose to work with and contribute to funding the federal government through taxes, because that's what allows the federal and state and city and municipal governments to provide police and fire and courts and all the rest of the stuff that they do. That's what your tax dollars do. Part of that funding also goes over to the UN for international human rights. And my thing is, okay, well, if that's getting funded, what are they doing? Because your money is getting sent up there. And it's being used to do a lot of things. So I would think if you're going to be a good steward of your money, you need to take your particular son up there and find out what's going on. And they aren't really going to refuse you participating in whatever way you want to, individually, in association with others, in groups, in a non-governmental organization, in a governmental organization, in a 501c3, 508, 504, doesn't matter. You want to go up there and get involved, they'll be like, come on. What you want to do? What you want to help? That's it. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. 
So I'm going to pause right there, and then I'm going to let you brothers tell me kind of where you want to go from this discussion because um, I had to get that part out first. I really felt it necessary to get that out first to kind of lay the groundwork for the discussion today in understanding that this international human rights um, is really more than just a set of words that sounds good. If you don't use it and you don't say it, it is considered waived. Can you explain to the layman the uh, the differences in law between what is considered quote-unquote civil rights and human rights and also, is this a continuation of what Malcolm was originally talking about when he realized that our people's plight for civil rights was a dead end, and he spoke about actually obtaining human rights, you know what I'm saying, and taking our case to international courts. So this is in the same vein, correct? That is correct, yes. Um, the The difference between civil rights and human rights is this. Um, civil rights are statutes at large and public laws that are, you know, dropped into buckets called codes like Title 42, the United States Code, and um, those civil rights are related to, you know, being a citizen or a national, whichever way you want to work that down with it, they can. However, human rights is a output of a treaty not an act of federal Congress assembled. The treaty right. was enacted into federal statute at large by Congress, but it existed prior to that as a treaty. And treaty trumps normally federal statutes at large. The Charter of the United Nations happens to be both. It is both a treaty and a federal statute at large. So the Rules of Decision Act, the federal level is Constitution, treaty, federal statute at large, state law. So the Charter of the United Nations falls under numbers two and three, a treaty and a federal statute at large. So according to the Rules of Decision Act, it trumps civil rights because it's a treaty first. Right. So that's why he was saying he was looking at it tactically and strategically. Now, I know, you know, some of the family, when these particular arguments come up, they still have problems, you know, integrating the information. Or when you present to them, you know, the recent um, declaration by the uh, quote-unquote federal courts where they said that corporations are persons, you know, and then certain people have ran back and tried to use that as a conversation point to explain to people if a corporation could be a person and you're considered a person, why don't you see the connection when we're telling you that you're considered a corporation? Can you explain that? Can a corporation have human rights as well? Or human rights only designated to uh, said entities that have belly buttons? Yes, hello. Brother, yeah? Oh, his line dropped. Okay, I 
see him calling back in right now. Give me one second, family. Dr. Nasir, peace. <laughs> Thank you again, gentlemen. Yeah, if somebody got mad at me, but that's not right. All liberties reserved. They violate the uh 317. Can't do that. You make arbitrary interference with my communications. That's a human rights violation. I'm going to let you know right now whoever's listening on the line. Indeed. That's, that's actually a human rights violation to interfere with my communications. You can't do that either. <laughs> now, how does one go about enforcing these particular things? Um, you need to study first. I mean, that that's really the biggest thing is understanding, like, um, understanding, one, it's a treaty, and know that it was signed and ratified, get those dates. Two, understand, you know, the section that it was enacted in the federal statute at large, two or three, and since in this particular nation state you have three branches of government and everybody goes by the judicial interpretation of the law, so you just can't cite the law by yourself, you kind of have to you know, um, cite a court case or common law so that you can get clarity on um, the proper interpretation of it. Um, you have to cite, there's a there's a court case that I typically cite that is called uh, Philartiga versus Pena Irala, and it is a Second Circuit Court of Appeals case from 1980, and I'm going to read to you this citation so you can understand why I make this statement that I do about having 83 declarations, okay? This particular court case, Philartega versus Pinarala, it went to federal court, it got appealed, and basically the person was saying that the U.N. declarations were binding obligations and somebody violated their rights under the U.N. declarations, and so they were suing. The appellate court corrected the plaintiff, and this is what they said, quote, United Nations declarations are significant because they specify the obligations of member nations under the charter, period. Since their adoption, comma, members can no longer contend that they do not know what human rights they promised in the charter to promote. Now, I'm going to put that in layman's terms. The charter is the contract. The declarations are addendums that give you terms and conditions. The contract is the charter. The declarations specify the spirit of the charter and what you're actually physically supposed to do. The declarations are not binding. The charter is binding. The declarations tell you how you are bound, meaning the United States or the individual states. Most people will argue that the declarations are binding, and that's why they get nowhere. Right. I'm going to say the charter, the charter is binding, the charter is a treaty, and inside a court case where the judicial branch actually told you how to line it up, an argument. Oh, the charter is binding. The declarations specify what you're supposed to do to the charter or how you're supposed to execute the spirit of the charter. Then you cite your declarations. So you have to line it up. You have to kind of put a foundation down. You know, you got to take your shovel right. and you got to kind of square out your ground and you got to flatten it out and you got to get your tamper and flatten it good and you put the bricks down. You know, create your little foundation. Put you put your picnic picnic basket and your picnic bench out there. You know, you got to square it up a little bit before you put something on there. And that's the right. charter, the treaty, the federal statute at large. Then the court case that explains the difference between the charter and the declarations. Then you get to what you want to say. Now, it's funny because um, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were kind of like, 
they asked me if I was practicing law. Right. And I was like, um, no, I'm not. What I am doing is I am being a human rights defender. And there's actually a United Nations declaration that was renamed as the Declaration on Human Rights Defenders. And it's interesting because as you go through, and I was looking at this particular declaration, there's a bullet. They 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 gave a summary of it, and I'm going to read this to you so you can kind of understand that the original name of the instrument was long, and people really didn't understand what it was, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to read it to you. Right. You'll probably understand why they shortened it. It's called General Assembly Resolution 53-144, meaning General Assembly Session 53, Resolution mm-hmm. Number 144. Mm-hmm. A-Res... 53-144. It's called the Declaration on the Right and Responsibility of Individuals, Groups, and Organs of Society to Promote and Protect Universally Recognized Human Rights and Fundamental Freedoms. Mm. They shorten that to the Declaration on Human Rights Defenders to make it a little bit easier to, to understand. And there's right. a section in here that says... Um, The Declaration provides specific protections to human rights defenders, including the right to offer and provide professionally qualified legal assistance or other advice and assistance in defense of human rights. So I just put myself in in the other advice and assistance in defense of human rights. And this is considered a trade and an occupation. Under this same declaration, it's a trade and an occupation. It's, it's your job. And it's not only my job, as the old name says, it's a right and a responsibility. That means it's your right to do it and it's your obligation to do it. You're supposed to do this. Not just know about it, you are supposed to do it. Not just talk about it, actually do it. Do something to protect another belly button holder's life. Do something to protect them. Defend them. So if if you were, you know, defending them and you put them in a position where they can now defend themselves, what would be the first three things that you would suggest that someone that is under this particular, you know, a belly button holder that might not know that they have these particular human rights, how would you go about introducing them to that particular reality and what would they then need to do to go forth to protect those particular rights and then pass on the information and the power to someone else with a belly button that they love? How, to, how can they perpetuate it? Okay. That's a very good question. Um, knowing is half the battle. Knowing is definitely half the battle. And, you know, I kind of go by what my grandmother used to say, once you know better, do better. Um, so once I inform someone, like I teach civics classes and I do human rights defending work, is that's I consider this my trade. This is me. This is what I do. It doesn't matter whether I'm talking about being the principal, principal chief of my tribe or just doing my lectures on my book 
or just helping somebody with a problem because their human rights got violated. This is just me. I help defend humans. This is what I do. Preferably, I defend any type, but I do have a focus. My target community is melanated folks, pragmatic, pretty rhyme with wide noses and big juicy lips. You know, that's that's the folks I look out for, our people, because they're the ones who need the most help. Okay? Right. So when I sit down with them, I kind of usually say, okay, you need to get a USB drive or you need to get a folder because I'm going to give you some information that I need you to study for yourself. You know, this is for your benefit. This is for you, you know, you and your kids. You know, if they're married or have a significant other, this is for you and your significant other. You all need to sit down and read this out loud to each other. Just don't sit and read it. You need to read it out loud. You need to actually speak the words into the universe. That's what I right. do in my class. I make the class read. And the class is like wondering, like, okay, he knows how to read and we know how to read. Why is he making the class read this out loud? Because I want the class to spell it into the universe. I'm going to make you read this out loud. Invoke it, right. Are you explaining right. that to them? You, exactly. I do. Right before I make them read it, I warn them. Yes, I do make my class read out loud. So if you're embarrassed by that, you're going to have a problem. So get 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 ready to deal with it. Okay. And so... Once they know, like, for example, this Human Rights Defender Resolution and Declaration has clauses in there where you have the right and responsibility to request of governmental entities how they have implemented or plan to implement a specified international human right into their practical application. I'll give you an example. If you want to ask your local law enforcement officer, hmm, uh, public official elected sheriff, how does the sheriff's office show compliance and implementation of the code of conduct for law enforcement officials that says you cannot violate a person's international human rights? Period. Right. You, can't deny, you can't deny them access to medicine. You can only you can't use excessive force. You can't do this. You can't use obsessive um, or torture. You can't use inhumane treatment. And this is not just a city, county, state, federal. No, this is a international treaty obligation that is a prohibition against them doing this. Right. That, and then they have to actually answer you. And if they don't, then you could probably go and force them to be mandated to answer that and be like, why don't you want to answer this? You say you took an oath. That's cool. Nobody forced you to take the oath. But, you know, and I don't I don't get angry because folks took an oath. That's a lot of things they just committed themselves to, which most of them have a very small awareness of what they committed themselves to. So I don't get mad at a public official who doesn't know because they can't know everything. Judges don't know everything. Attorneys don't either. But once you bring it to their attention, they should act accordingly. That's just how I look at it. So, you know, I have no problem with helping people draft letters to help them defend their human rights so they can ask the questions necessary to be able to move things forward. It's like, okay, well, why are you doing this to me? You're not supposed to be able to do that. So somewhere like New York City, take for instance, where about – 600,000 melanated uh, males are being stopped and frisked yearly under the presumption that they have 
small amounts of marijuana or um, concealed weapons, something such as this, you know what I'm saying, a, a approach to get remedy on this particular level would pretty much put a practice such like that in its breaks, correct? That is correct, because what it's going to do is it's going to force the law enforcement division or entity to answer the question, um, and actually that particular issue would fall under um, General Assembly, I think it's 66 Resolution 3, and it's called United Against Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance. (laughs) Can't do that. Okay, meaning they aren't supposed to use racism, racial discrimination. Xenophobia is a word that means fear of foreigners or fear of those who do not look like you. Right. So racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and related intolerance, which is kind of a catch-all phrase for any other dumb stuff you come up with as an arbitrary reason to, excuse my French, fuck with somebody. And Clause 5 says this constitutes a negation, meaning to negate or zero out, of the purposes and principles of the Charter of the United Nations, which is a treaty, federal statute, and of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and that equality and non-discrimination are fundamental principles of international law. So you'd be like, okay, well, how is it that these brothers and sisters get unreasonably and unjustifiably stopped more when the cases of actual possession are less. You have to give them the numbers. This is discrimination based off of how they look, violation of human rights. You need to correct your practices or be ready to talk about it in front of a judge. And it don't matter where you go, city, county, state, federal, international, but it'll hold up if you Move it the right way, and there are people that are actually international human rights defenders that are attorneys too. They're very few and far in between, but there are they are out there. Um, interestingly, mothers typically act as human rights defenders by nature. Just had to say that um, because they're always fighting for their children and their family, right? Okay, and there's language and discussion points on the Declaration on Human Rights Defenders that actually identifies typically that women are at the highest risk of being discriminated against, dealing with intolerance, and dealing with social, political, physical, and military attack because of their human rights defending work. Whether or not they even identify themselves as a human rights defender doesn't matter. Right. Naturally, it just kicks in because you know, they are the, the, the harbingers of the belly button or the right. attached to it, right? Exactly. So they made the humans, so naturally they're going to protect their creation. So they're like, well, what the hell are you doing? Right. <laughs> and because they stand up like, well, what the heck are you doing? They catch slack all the time. However, um, close your eyes just for a second and imagine a group of mothers, instead of complaining about their boys' civil rights being violated, them actually writing letters and submitting complaints in state and federal and city and international courts saying, this is a violation of human rights, international law. This needs to stop. Like, even, you know, this is a perfect context about a a particular case we were speaking of 
earlier to set a precedent here in New York City, and that was the case of the Central Park Five, the five youth that were charged with um, raping a, uh, a Caucasian jogger in Central Park in the 80s, and they, uh, you know, they violated any uh, semblance of quote-unquote rights that are afforded Negro, Blacks, and Colors. So even on that level, in terms of having a lawyer present, reading them their rights, allowing them to have a phone call, you know, they just railroaded them. They totally did them stupendously wrong. And yeah, it's a documentary out right now, and uh, the mayor that was presiding over said jurisdiction at that particular time, uh, Ed Koch, he just made transition. And I remember, you know, that that, that case setting precedence kind of just, um, yeah, opened up the floodgates where they just started railroading people with, with, with like, no disregard for any semblance of an appearance of rights, because at that time they were just hearing <laughs> other people's quote-unquote civil rights at that, you know, the, the, the basement shit. They yeah. just threw that out the window altogether, and they just started getting uh, animalistic, pun intended, you know? Yeah, so, and, and the thing is, is because most people don't properly position the Charter of the United Nations as a treaty and the federal statute at large, you know, I've seen where attorneys trying to defend for their client will basically say, well, since it's not self-executing, you can't use it in a private right of action, blah, 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 blah. You know, well, since it's not enacted in the federal statute at large, you can't use it. And the judges will go along with it, which is also a violation of the code of conduct for public officials because that's wrong too. It's a code of conduct for them too. Um, but I find it interesting where um, – I had a conversation. I have lots of conversations, by the way. I, I do talk about this often, all the time. Um, I had a conversation with someone, and this was actually a dinner with an attorney. We were having a discussion. And he was like, he said it again, like a couple other folks did, well, I think you're practicing law. I said, why? He said, because, you know, you're, you're helping people. You're, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're doing that. I said, well, you do realize that uh, Article 7 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says all are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law. That means all the law, city, county, state, federal, international, and if they have equal right to that protection and it's my right and responsibility to defend their human rights to protection of all law, then I can t help them with all that I have available that I see that I think would help them protect their human rights. Because they have equal right as a belly button holder to protection of all the law. All of it. The law wasn't meant to hurt the people. The law was meant to protect the people. So since it was designed that way, I'm going to take it in the spirit in which it was created. Right. Now, you got to remember something. It may sound very pie in the sky for me to position this argument this way, but you also have to realize that, like you said, there's a huge basement undercurrent of those who enjoy violating people's human rights because they don't know any better and then trying to defend that position, which is illegal and unlawful and, again, a violation of human rights. You know, you put this stuff in. I've seen 
where documents come up missing from court cases when you start putting this stuff in, in court. Yeah, like they start snatching stuff out the file because they don't want it to be left in there. Right. Um, which, again, is an obstruction of justice, and obstruction of justice is a national crime, and there's a declaration on the basic principles of justice for victims of crime and abuse of power, which says even if the the injuring party has not been apprehended, indicted, or prosecuted, or even incarcerated. It doesn't matter. If you can prove they did it, and whatever they did violated federal criminal law, you are a victim of crime. And that means everybody's supposed to stop what they're doing to help you because you've got a damn belly button. And if what they did didn't violate federal criminal law, but it violated international human rights law, then it's an abuse of power, in which case you're still a victim. And they still need to change what they're doing to help you get your remedy. That's what I mean. There isn't it? It's almost like a never-ending series of violations. It's really, really bad. <laughs> it's really, really bad. I mean, really bad. And and everybody knows how bad it is. But when you line it up behind the human rights violations, it just looks ridiculous. And it's scary. It's very scary. It makes people not want to have this discussion. It makes people not want to go outside their home or it makes them just suffer from cognitive dissonance, dissonance and shut off their brain and go, that's too much, Ness. I can't, I can't do that. Please stop. That, that's too much. That, that's too much pain. It's too much anguish. It's too much injury. It hurts too much. And I'm like, okay, right. so you're in a pot of boiling water and you're saying it hurts too much, so you're going to close your eyes and act like you're not in a pot of boiling water? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so you, I mean, what? I don't get it. And that, I, I wanted to ask you that, and I do apologize if I may have missed the segment where you mentioned it because my phone went dead and I had to change my battery. But is someone able to declare and stand on this particular declaration if they are in the status of a quote unquote U.S. citizen? 13th Amendment, Negro, Black, or Colored, you know, that status. Does it have anything to do with someone's um, someone's status? No. Not at all. It has nothing to do. That's civil rights. This isn't civil. The only condition for you to have international human rights is you be a human. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter if you're a 14th Amendment citizen or a Snyder Act citizen where you got it as an indigenous person granted through the Snyder Act of 1924 that grants U.S. citizenship, citizenship to all non-citizen Indians. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you're American national, Grenadian, you know, West Indian, Jamaican, uh, Guyanese. It, it doesn't matter. If you got a belly button, you have them, and you just don't know it. Right. Wow. Yeah, so, there's even there's even international human rights under UNESCO, which is an arm of the UN, and they have certain declarations under that subset of the UN related to genetics, genetic codes, and the use of your genetic information. So even your fingerprints and your biometric data, your iris scan, your fingerprints, your blood, you know, if somebody's taking samples of your blood and putting... They, there's certain things that they cannot do with that. 
Otherwise, that's a violation of human rights because those markers, even when they're translated into data, is your personal signature from the universe. It's related right. to you being a human. It's yours. So, wow. Like, you know, at this particular point, outside of us having open forums about it, and I know mm-hmm. that these are the initial waves and stages of how you plant seeds, okay? Yes. Because conversation starts the motions or what have you, you know, and people that want to know more, you know, they start digging or they, they reach out for more. Of course, there's people in the chat that want you to leave your information because I'm sure that they want to move further. But in terms of on a more global scale or, you know, something that touches more corridors of our population or our society, what can be done to get this information out? Do you have plans on putting institutions into place, you know, where, you know, almost like people are, quote, unquote, running around with, you know, trying to naturalize people and all of these different things that, they're saying is the salvation of fallen humanity. Are you putting together something that pretty much helps people get, you know, gain these particular remedies? Because it seems to be something that you can do instantaneous if it's not directly dealing with status. Yeah. Um, if you want to form a group or an association or defend human rights individually, that's your right and your responsibility. Um, because it's really it's really an issue of what you want to do. I do have plans. There are things that I'm actually doing to put some things together to kind of standardize the curriculum that, that I've been teaching for a while and kind of fine-tune it so that it's, it's a little bit easier for somebody to get a structured class. And um, I have the, the Undersecretary of Education of our tribe kind of talking with me about, you know, how to <laughs> – how to get this information in a little bit better format um, other than, you know, a one, two, three lecture where you have a lot of data, but you really don't have the conversation through the information, whereas a class that is over the course of six to eight weeks is different than um, three, four-hour lectures where you get all the information condensed at one time. That's, that's a little bit different approach. It's a little bit easier and more palatable for the brain to take in. So knowing that, yes, I'm definitely working on that, and I have others who are, um, I'm grateful that they are assisting me. And uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. So uh, there's, a, there's a sister who's um, in Charlotte who's the Undersecretary of Education. She's helping me put that information together. And um, the sister who's the registrar of our tribe has experience doing teaching with children and curriculum, and she wants to develop a child's curriculum to kind of help the younger kids, you know, be able to understand this as well. So um, right. the, the brother who's the Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare and I were actually just having a conversation last week about this, and uh, he actually has 20-plus years' experience uh, teaching in Chicago Public Schools. So when the drafts come out, he's going to be kind of taking it and then standardizing it so we can try to make it into an actual course to kind of really help people understand that, okay, there's no class on civil rights and there's really no more classes on civics being taught in the public schools, but we need to send our people through some type of training program to help them understand if you have a belly button, these are the things you should look out for to make sure you protect your belly button. 
You know, it's like if, even if you think metaphysically, when people get emotionally sensitive, they fold their arms across their chest and cover up their stomach chakra. Right. You, you cover, you're covering up your belly button. Mm. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's located where your solar plexus is at, and you hold so much in that particular place that that's key. Right. That's a, a key juncture point. You know what I'm saying? You hold your yeah, anger so, there. Yeah, and people get upset, your stomach starts turning and twisting. Yeah, all that all that stuff, your body reacts to that. So, you know, when people begin to get attacked commercially or legally or whatever it is or physically in certain instances, um, that has an effect on their physical human form, on their physical human vessel. And that is a human rights violation, especially if it's an arbitrary attack. That, excuse my French, that stuff is not cool. And it's not okay, and it has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with in a way one that isn't just an individual. Hello. Doctor Nasir. I don't see anything in the call. You're seeing the drop. Peace, brother. You still with us? Yeah, the line dropped. I give us a second, family. The brother has called back. We open this line up again. Call it from the seven zero eight. Peace. All right. How you doing, brother? All right. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I know they they just mad. That's fine. I get it. (laughs) But you know what? It's it's their right and responsibility to protect human rights too. So I don't really care. That's where I am. It's it's their job to do this just as much as it is mine. So they need to be helping me, and they need to put some extra bandwidth on my phone to make sure my phone stops dropping. That's their obligation. So there it is. That's right. Um, I, I find it very helpful to um, inform public officials about this, and that to me has been the most interesting response. Is how lawyers and judges really. I don't think they really get it. I think some of the federal judges do, but I don't think the state judges and attorneys do. Um, That dinner I told you earlier when I had dinner with that attorney and he was asking me, well, I don't think the U.N. Charter is actually valid. Because, you know, I said, well, it's fine and modified. And he was like, well, that doesn't mean anything. I said, well, it's enacted in the federal statute at large. And then he stopped talking about that. Because once it's enacted in the federal statute at large, it becomes active for everybody here. So I don't think a lot of them really know and and haven't been they haven't been properly informed because they have certain specialties and it may not be international human rights. So I still hold them responsible for it, but I don't have any expectations that they'll know. Hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's weird, and then to think about an attorney who makes his you know makes his uh, living doing what he does in court, and then to be told, well, whatever you just did just violated somebody's international human rights law. He's going to be like, well, I got student loans to pay, <laughs> so I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. But you know, they they get it, and I've I've seen some judges and some attorneys be honorable about it and really understand what it is. You know, I had a judge call me out of my name one time, 
And I said, are you going to violate 59 Statute 1037, Article 2, Subsection 2, as an obligation under federal statute and charter treaty? He said, what is that? I said, that's the Charter of the United Nations. And then I quoted the Declaration on the Right of Indigenous Peoples and about four or five other declarations. By the time I finished, he said, no, I'll refer to you in your proper name, sir. That's fine. (laughs) He didn't argue with me anymore. It wasn't really a discussion at that point. Because a lot of people take the position that, um, you know, that the Europeans' position is not to honor any contracts, treaties, you know, or international law, because that has been his modus operandi across the world. So, you know, rather than trying, they would just write it off and just consider taking the licks or what have you and talk about striking back. Well, yeah, some of them do that. Yeah, some of them get a little pissy, and that's fine. (laughs) You know, there are ways you can deal with that, too. You know, there are ways to deal with that. There are always judicial code of conduct tribunals that that deal with that. And if you talk about violation of human rights separate from the merits of the case, and you'll be like, well, this judge, regardless of what he did, he's violating folks' human rights over here, bro. I got a problem with him. They have to deal with that. And then you, you have to pursue those administrative remedies to make sure that you don't waive it. If you just get mad and go home and lick your wounds and you don't go back in there and fight for your human rights, then you waive it. It's just like if somebody ran by and snatched your sister's purse. If she just sat there and was like, oh, man. <laughs> or she tried to trip him and chase after him. You know what I'm saying? Like, give him my purse back. What's wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? Her brother just, you know, tripped him or bust him in the head a couple times. and like, man, give that woman back her purse. You know, you, you got to do something about it. You just can't sit there and not do anything. That's really that's really the, the underlying principle of what I'm trying to get to. You really just can't not do anything and then expect nothing to happen. And marching and picketing are not going to do anything in this um, Europeanized paradigm that is not going to produce very much because it is not forcing the system to take on a different set of instructions. The instructions in this system are given by the legislative branch, judicial interpretations, and executive orders. Hmm. In that sequence, legislative, judicial interpretation, and executive orders. Because well, you have, can overrule, you, yeah. you have hmm? some people that say that they only respect force. So <laughs> the only solution is one of a military confrontation or, you know, because it's been said that, you know, like my brother said earlier, the uh, people take the stance that uh, the European does not, in fact, respect anything on paper. And they don't respect other, they they, they don't respect laws that they themselves have drawn up oh, this is the assumption that people take. These are the laws that they created, and they know the loopholes, and they are the ones who, you know, are um, using these laws and using these uh, amendments and these statutes and all of these other policies that they create to benefit them and them only. Well, you know what, I'll say this. 
Um, I'm learning more and more every day to be careful what I say. I got one of my close friends reminded me of that today. So you have to yes. be careful to make sure you don't you don't negate what you just asked for. <laughs> yeah, don't negate what you just asked for. And I was yeah. like, damn. I mean, I was literally like DAMing. I was like, whoa, man, that's, yeah. Yeah, don't negate what you just asked for. So if you move in the spirit of negating what you just asked for by making those presumptions, then you just negated what you asked for. I'm not saying be stupid and be ignorant that it doesn't or cannot happen. But the issue is, is if you are armed with the appropriate information and you move this information before you, meaning you put it in front of you as you move, like give the city police notice, give the county sheriff notice, give the state police notice, give the U.S. Marshals notice, Give Interpol notice. Give the UN notice. Give the give the governor notice. And it's not a bad thing to let him know. Hey, dude, I'm, I just found out I have international human rights, so I'm going to be upholding them, and I might be calling on you to help me uphold them. You don't have to be belligerent with it. Just let them know. I might be calling on you to uphold your oath to make sure my stuff doesn't get stepped on. I just found out I had these. I didn't realize it was abandoned property. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it doesn't have to be belligerent. It just has to be let them know so that they can't say, well, I, yes, you knew. Yes, you knew. I already told you about this. So I don't know why we're having this discussion. Indeed. Another part that I wanted to um, ask you as well is what role does the current president, Barack Obama, play in the um, in this whole scheme? I'm, is it is it uh, true that he signed the uh, indigenous rights of the international rights of indigenous people. Is is he a, is he champion? Is like is he behind this? Um, I do not recall that he signed it. I do recall that December of two thousand and of ten, yeah, December of two thousand and ten. Um, the permanent ambassador to the United Nations made a statement on behalf of the Office of the President of the United States that the executive branch will support the Declaration on the Right of Indigenous Peoples. He did not sign it. He stated that they would comply and support it. And the reason that that had to be said is because when the declaration was voted on by the United Nations General Assembly, there were only like three or four nations that voted no, and the United States was one of them, and New Zealand was another one, and the United Kingdom was another one. There was one more. I can't remember which one it was. So, yeah, he had to kind of change that, and, and I was glad that he did, you know, and he made the statement that they will support it. Um, he has not signed it because that would have to be the legislature that enacts that into law, which they don't have to do, because they enacted the whole charter into law, and the declarations specify the obligations under the charter. He doesn't need to sign anything. It's already a specific obligation under the charter, which is a federal statute and treaty. 
I had to explain that to a bunch of American Indians six months ago because they were, like, complaining, wanting him to sign it like other nations did. I was like, he doesn't have to. The Charter of the United Nations is a treaty and a federal statute. All the declarations, more than just that one, all of the declarations attached, all of them. Okay. I'll give you an example of how he is bound by the Charter of the United Nations. When uh, when the president went into Syria, y'all remember that? Yes. I mean, um, not Syria, um, Libya. Libya. Sorry, Libya. When he went into Libya and the Republicans were complaining about how he was, you know, waging war without the approval of Congress. Y'all remember that? Yes. That was poppycock. That was bull. And it was a lie and it was deliberate false marketing. And I'm going to tell you why. The Charter of the United Nations is a treaty and a federal statute that laws that was passed by Congress. It was ratified by Congress and enacted a federal statute that uh, by Congress, and the section in the charter on the U.N. Security Council says if the Security Council issues an edict or a ruling, all U.N. members must comply, and no, no U.N. member is allowed to do anything directly or indirectly to support somebody who has a U.N. Security Council sanction against them. That's a federal law and a treaty. So when the Security Council said Go in there and go get Gaddafi. The president did what was within his boundaries to do, which was he's allowed by law to make military operations for up to 90 days. And on the 89th day, he shut it down and stopped, like he was supposed to. Mm. Right. But all the Republicans were complaining about it, but they were the ones that were passing the law. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, it was a bunch of crap. And I was talking to a bunch of patriots about that, and I had to shut them up, too, because I was like, you need to be quiet. He's following the law that Congress told him to execute, and they're playing political games trying to get you worked up to get your butt arrested, trying to protest what you think he was doing wrong when he was doing what they told him to do, which was by the Charter of the United Nations and the section on the Security Council that said when the Security Council says, go whoop somebody's butt, you got to go get them. And you can't resist and you can't balk. You can't hesitate and sit around with your thumb up your butt and act like you didn't do anything. You can't do that. You have to go do it or definitely stand to the side and not be in the way. See, that's what I mean by people don't really understand. They are actually reading. You need to, yeah, I, I would strongly recommend anybody listening to this, you make sure you download a true and correct copy of the Charter of the United Nations or go to your local law library and go ask them for volume 59 of the statutes at large and go to page 1033 and photocopy the Charter of the United Nations that shows the statutes at large number across the top and show that to any public official when you talk about your international human rights, when you give them a declaration. Show them the statutes at large where the treaty was enacted into federal law. That's the easiest thing you could do because the one that you download from the U.N. website doesn't have volume 59, statutes at large, page 1033 onward. It doesn't have that across the top. You need to get the one from the law library that has that across the top because mm. okay. that means it's the obligation of everybody walking over here on this dirt. That's easy. You see what I'm saying? That's, you just go to the law and get it. And if you need, you know, need me to find it, go to my webpage and send me a contact form. I'll email you the first three pages, <laughs> and you can have it. That's fine. Cover my mailing. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I want to send you the hard copy. I'm not going to pass this stuff up by email like that because i got to stop what I'm doing to stop my time or I just might upload it to the site so y'all can just get it. But you just need to get it. Yeah, so when it comes to this, I don't uh, – so whether I agree or don't agree with whatever the President of the United States does, I do understand that he's really – not going to step too far outside of his boundary for risk of getting himself in trouble. So if he's doing something you think might be wrong, you might need to go do a little bit more research because, remember, he is a former attorney. (laughs) Okay? Everybody keeps forgetting that. He is a former attorney, so there's an element of, yeah, and a constitutional attorney. So he knows how to play two ends against the middle and go around the outside and run the route. He knows how to do that. Indeed, indeed. So let's see if we have any callers in the call queue, because I'm sure, sure. that we have uh, some legal eagles on the other line that may want to add on. Okay. Let's ready when you are. All right. All right, we're going to go to a caller from the area code 315. Five four two, all right. Three one five. Call a peace. Peace. Um, peace. Peace. How, how's everything? Everything is fine, brothers. How's everything over there? All Wonderful. Well, brother. Wonderful. Thank you. Hope all is well with you. All right. Now, um, I didn't catch the brother's name. That's that's um speaking. What's your name, brother? My name is Nasser M. Neheh Ali. All liberties reserved. Nasser. 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 Yes, that's correct, brother. All right, I'm taking notes. Can you um just please tell me how to spell it? Yes, N E S E R. Okay. If you want the rest of it, you can just go to the KTL website. It has the proper spelling on the site, brother. But I wanted to kind of get your question out. No doubt, I got you. All right, so my question is um. Were my human rights violated when I was traveling with my babies in my vehicle and I got stopped by the cops and they said somebody saw me waving a gun in the car when they pulled me over and I was traveling with my four babies in the car. Like, that was that was ridiculous. So I felt like I was violated, but I didn't really know what to do. So I pled guilty to um, driving without a license. Um, well... Think about it like this. Um, If you think your rights were violated, you're going to have to decide where you want to look for your remedy. Now, what, like, I know here, even though I'm on private land, you know, where I am, but it's within the legal description of the Illinois Republic. Mm -hmm. um, I live in the Illinois. Okay, so, like, the Illinois Constitution has... uh, a statement that says everyone has a right to remedy according to the law and they shall receive their justice freely, completely, and promptly. It didn't say you had a right to have an attorney help you out. It says everyone has a right to remedy somewhere in the law. And that means you have to, you got to dig deep and take a look at what you think happened and whether or not you have a remedy somewhere. You see what I mean? So if you think your human rights were violated, brother, then you need to go to the UN website and then go look at General Assembly 
And then when you go to the General Assembly link, you go on the right side and click Documents, and then you scroll to the archive, and you start going through and looking at all these declarations there, and or you go to my website and pull them down and start reading through and see if you think something got, you know, crossed up. And if it did, then you start doing research as to how you think you can put that before someone to get you some relief. I mean, that's just the basic process on how it goes. You know, you got to... You got to go seek your relief. You have to seek right. your remedy. You have to build your remedy. You have to speak it into the universe. You have to craft it and draft it and put energy behind it. Okay. Because I, I definitely feel like I was violated because, you know, I was driving without a license, so I made sure I did everything correct. Used the blinkers, you know, stop way before the stop sign, eased up, you know, stopped again, all that. And I felt like this man just wanted to mess with me because I got dreads or whatever, and. You know, then he was like, bingo, he ain't got no license or whatever. So I felt like I definitely got, you know, violated because he lied. You know, I, I ain't had no gun at all. It's been years since I had one of those, you know, so I feel violated. But thank you for the information, and I will do my due diligence. Absolutely, brother, and best of luck with you on that. Yes, All right, peace to the caller. Thank you for your call and your questions. And um, I hope that you receive the remedy that you need, brother. All right, we're going to go to the call from 510-307. All right, caller from the 510-307. Peace. Peace. Hey, oh, I just tuned in, and I, I, I didn't catch the beginning of the show. Um Talking about the international, a lot of the international um, law. However, with the last caller, why wouldn't he look at state law, um, his Illinois state law, because it sounds like there was a violation of his right to privacy and there was no reasonable suspicion that he was engaging in a crime or was fleeing um, the scene of a crime. So why wouldn't he look at that as a state law versus a national law? Um, it, it really depends on his remedy. I mean, remember, international law, especially the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, says everyone has a right to equal protection of all law. So it doesn't – international human rights does not exclude any state remedy or federal remedy or county remedy or city municipal code that may provide a remedy. It doesn't exclude them. It includes them all. Mm hmm would it supersede any of those laws? Yes, it would. It will. It will only be superseded by the Constitution and the amendments of the Constitution. I see. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I, I was just wondering. I, I tuned into it, and it just seems like you know when he had a a, a stop yeah. in the public street, you know mm -hmm. there had to be, you know, for the police to stop him, there should have been. You know, for reasons of probable cause. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. but it didn't sound like there was any because he said he was following all the traffic, you know, rules and codes. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. in in those instances, I've seen a lot of times where they'll say, well, they'll come up with a a weak version of a probable cause stop, and if you don't know how to attack the evidence that they try to substantiate the basis for a probable cause then they'll try to sit there and, you know, 
promote that. However, there is a, another declaration called Human Rights in the Administration of Justice, <laughs> which is another declaration that says when you're administering justice in a judicial capacity, you have to make sure that you're always in compliance with international human rights. So, again, it brings okay. it right back to it doesn't matter whether or not you're in court or in an executive branch that's using an a administrative remedy acting in a judicial capacity, they still have an obligation to follow all human rights law at all times, including, like you said, if there's a state remedy too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you. Excellent, excellent point and excellent clarification. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you, Paula. All right. Thank you for the question. We are going to uh, 215-609, caller. Caller from the 215. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace to the guys. What's going on, family? Peace, Good evening. How you doing, brother? Well, I'm good. I hope everybody's day is going well. Um, I didn't really have any questions regarding the law. I was just appreciating the bill, man. Um, phenomenal, man. That's all I can say. It's, it's awesome. Like, I've heard the term human rights, and I've heard it, um, you know, throughout just different instances on the news, but I was really unclear about exactly what it was. I've never heard it broken down like this. So I just want to appreciate what, what you bring to the table. Um, I think a lot of people get benefit from this because I've never heard it in this um, from this perspective, in this depth. So thank you. Brother, you are more than welcome. It's my right and my responsibility to make sure you know, and I appreciate you you appreciating that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I did have an offering, but I, I think I should say that I want to give some more people a chance to actually pose some questions. Okay. So, um, red and blue, if y'all could bring me back in, if y'all want to actually let me you know, do what I do later on in the show, that's fine with me. Yes, okay. sir. And uh, and remember, brother, um, there's also two places, too. You can also post questions and ask on the website, paleo-american.com. You can also post it on the Blog Talk Radio, KTL, and I also have a Facebook site, too, where I post not only stuff on the Paleo Americas and Mound Builders, but I post current political events, too. And some people are wondering, like, I thought this was just about Paleo Americas. No, it's about human rights. So I post everything I think is relevant <laughs> The humans, I posted. Well, I actually, I just liked the um, Facebook site. When I heard you mention it, I liked it probably about about twenty, thirty minutes ago. Thank you, brother. And I, I will be, I will be on your site as soon as the um the class is over tonight. Brother, can you share that Facebook page again with the family? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, just type in paleo-american.com. And it should actually just type in Paleo Dash American, and it should come up. And it'll have the same graphic that is on the top of the internet website at the top of the Facebook website too. No doubt. Indeed, I appreciate that. Our caller, thank you for the call. And yes, we will open up your line before the uh, end of the show. Appreciate that. Indeed. All right, peace. For the family that is uh, listening to the call tonight, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, all you have to do is press 1, and we will get to you properly. So 
soon as we finish with the other callers. And we're going to go to a 757348 caller. Caller from the 757. Peace and welcome to Nola Ledge Radio. Peace. This is Brother Wise. Um, hey, Brother Wise. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, my question is to, you're using the U.N. Charter, and as far as basically the way they drew laws up to basically state, okay, you know, you should be able to protect your human rights. Um, so how does this work into, for when some people consider themselves to be African Americans, and according to what is considered to be African American as being three-fifths of a human being, how does that factor in within the U.N. treaty when, as an African-American, it's, there is no really national birthright with that. How does that factor in? Okay. That's an excellent question. So let's, let's take it from the beginning on African-American, three-fifths of a human being, right? Um, yeah. And you realize that the purpose of the three-fifths was to affect voting rights, right? Okay, yeah. Right. It was meant to balance the voting rights during a time when they were still doing whatever dirt they were doing with the aboriginals, you know, African-Americans, Negroes, colors. Um, and then, of course, they came with the 14th Amendment behind that because of that. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, if you are human, you are human. Doesn't matter how many fifths you are. If you want okay. to deal with the fact of birthright, your birthright of being a human, regardless of whatever that says, automatically overrides that. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's more along the lines of the difference between natural law and civic law. Okay. Human rights is really a legislative enactment to bring natural law into it because. Natural law is what naturally created humans. Civic law is what civically created artificial persons. So this resurgence of natural law is being legislatively agreed to internationally as the Charter of the United Nations and international human rights, as prohibitions. It's not when, when a lot of people argue civil rights or constitutional rights, they don't realize that it's really it's not a right. It's a right to constitutionally prohibit someone else from doing something to you. Okay. It's not a right you have. It's a right that prohibits them from doing it to you. So okay. the international human rights are not rights. They're actually prohibitions of things that cannot be done against you. Okay. So you can okay. kind of look at it that way, and it's, and it's totally irrespective of race. It doesn't matter. Okay. And it doesn't matter, and you don't have to take a blood test either. Right, bro. Okay, so my question is this, and second fold, then I'm done. Um, it's actually a two-part question. Um, is there, is it beneficial to claim your birthright, first and foremost? And second of all, after coming into the knowledge of this, is there a way to turn around or is there a provision to turn around and bring forth suit against times where you can prove that your human rights were violated, like a civil a class action suit? Or individual civil suit because your your human rights were violated.
Hello? Dr. Nasir? All right. His line dropped again. Uh, he'll, he's calling in right right now. I'm going to open up his line. Call it from the 708. Okay. Brother, would you would you restate the question for me one more time, please? I cut the last clause. Okay. My my point, well, my, my question is, okay, is it beneficial at that time, point in time, knowing that we can always go back to the U.N. and, you know, claim that our human rights are violated? Is it beneficial to claim your natural birthright? And second of all, if you're able to go back or if you're able to, now, once you come into the knowledge of this information that you're giving us, are you able to, at that point in time, if you could deem that you, your human rights were violated before in the past, are there provisions for you to file suit, because, either individually or class action-wise, because you were violated before in the past, human rights-wise, once you come into the knowledge of this information? Okay. The first question, you, you had a two-part question. The first one was, um, natural rights and birth rights, and the second one was right to remedy. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, the first one I would say yes, and the second one I would say yes. And there are actually um, there's actually a declaration that talks about the right to a remedy, and it's actually it's actually one of the declarations, um, and the right to a remedy for being injured is relevant as it relates to people violating your human rights. I mean, it's, it's kind of standard part for the course. If somebody violated your human rights, you should have the ability to seek remedy for the injury. And, yes, there is a, there is a declaration on that. I'm not sure how it would apply in terms of a class action, um, that would depend on which court you're going to and properly positioning the argument and the statement. Um, as far as, you know, seeking remedy at the U.N., um, you're talking about the International Court of Justice, and if you're seeking remedy against the federal government, you need to study very carefully the exceptions and terms and conditions by which the United States agreed to be bound to rulings of the International Criminal Court or the ICJ or the World Court. So basically um, what you're saying is they've decided which 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 uh which things they're gonna deal with and which ones they're not gonna deal with? Remember you're you're talking about tort claims. That's really what you're talking about. Okay. A tort claim a tort claim is an injury that's it's separate from you. contract. Yeah. Right. So if you're talking about a tort claim, most tort claims will work one of two ways. Either you'll sue the individual or you'll sue the individual's principal, the party or the body or the entity by which they were acting in their official capacity. It's called respondee at superior and let the master answer. Uh So um, if you are going to be taking action against a public official, more often than not you're going to be taking action against their office, in which case um, if you're taking claim against their office, you're going to be seeking an action either for injury, tort, contract claim of some sort, and you're going to be seeking some type of venue, be it city, county, state, or federal, or international. And each of those venues will have its own rules and procedures, has its own jurisdiction, and that, in the process of you seeking that, 
you're going to have to um, really be very studious in terms of understanding how you go about getting that remedy. Um, okay. The I'm going to give you the resolution number. It's A slash R E S slash sixty slash one forty seven. A res okay. sixty slash one forty seven. It's called okay. the basic principles and guidelines on the right to a remedy and reparation for victims of gross violations of international human rights law and serious violation of international humanitarian law. Okay. So that's your right to remedy right there. And, and um, so, so I, well, I, well, I want to ask next is just one one short question. Do you have like a website or anything like that, or that I can yes, go I do. To? Okay, what's what's yeah. your website? It's uh, www dot P A L E O P as in Peter, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, E as in Edward, O as in on dash American dot com. Okay. I will Paleo yeah, go to the download section on the left side, and then you will see several what I call the, the hot I uploaded a lot of the hot ones there so you can download them for free. It doesn't cost you anything. And I just basically scroll through the UN website, and I just snatch them down, and I just put them up on my site so you don't have to try to find it. That's peace, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. No problem at all, brother. You're welcome. Y'all, y'all we appreciate your call, brother. Excellent questions. Uh, Brother Nasir, we are about to go into the 11-11 meditation uh, for the family. Uh, We're going to prepare ourselves. Brother Blue will walk us through it while we get ready. Hold on. Just find yourself in a place, preferably uh, it's black. You can turn your computer monitors off without cutting off your computer. Find yourself seated with your back straight, feet flat to the floor, your Hands are on the edge of your knees, palms facing upwards. Both index fingers touching together, your thumbs touching together, forming a pyramid. Tip of the tongue touching the roof of the mouth, eyes closed, pulling the breath from the abdominals. Your nose exhaling out of the mouth. We are going to be meditating the mantra of Omni Padme Om, which stands for the jewel and the lotus for the family that has the soul drops. Now would be a perfect time for you to administer some drops. If not, just remember to take them before you uh, rest tonight, okay? So the meditation will be on human rights, seeing yourself as part to the human family, okay? And no one can violate that. Oh, 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 oh,
Check it out. Tell us what you think. And, uh, you know, if you feel the need to, holler at me. We'll walk you through it. Uh, we do have some more callers in the call queue again, family. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, especially if you took some time out to meditate and you were able to hear that voice in your head, if you came back with anything profound that you might want to add on, any questions that you might want to ask, please feel free. Press one on your phone. We will open up your line and have you engage with nice guests. Okay. Okay. Um, one second. And I'll ask as well if anyone in the chat has any questions and you're not able to call in and communicate, feel free to drop your questions in the chat. We'll, we'll, we will relay them with the nice guests. Okay? Don't be scared. All right, I'm going to go to caller. We've got a 347 caller, 347 972 347 caller. Peace. Peace, peace, Blue. Peace. Yeah, man. Right, this is Brother Kyle. New York Republic Region. Brother Kyle. Good doctor on. Is that Brother Kyle? Yes, sir. <laughs> How you doing, Brother Kyle? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Actually, I was, um, you know, traveling today. Um, you know, I was looking for some shows. I got some shows, live talk radio shows, you know, downloaded on my phone. And, um, you know, for some reason, I picked um, Living Paleo-American. You know, I'm listening to it, you know, until I got to my destination. And then, you know. I get the um the email for a block talk radio show know the ledge coming up and boom, Dr. Nessa Ali is back on. You know, and I thank you and um Blue Pill and Red Pill, you know, for bringing this brother back on again. Um for the brother is very phenomenal with the information he's bringing forth. And I hope he comes on again later on this year. I ain't really got no questions. <laughs> well, not a problem, brother. If the brothers will have me, I'll be always glad to come back. Always. Thank you again for your words, brother. Your kind of, your encouragement is greatly appreciated. Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Peace. All right, bro. Peace. Okay. Uh, we got a question from the chat. I'm going to read the question off. All right. question is, what would you suggest as recommended reading material to start off with a family who may not be legally inclined? Mm. Um, okay. That's a real good question. Um, I would say that for someone who is not legally inclined, that you start off with the Constitution for the United States, all the amendments, meaning 
Print them out and have them in your home. Put them in a binder and keep them. Print out the state constitution that you are located within. Um, I would then... Locate on the Internet, because obviously if they're on the chat, I'm presuming they have access to the Internet, they need to locate a couple things. One, a link to the United States Codes. Two, a link to the Code of Federal Regulations. Three, a link to the state republic statutes that they're located within. Four, a link to the state regulations, because a lot of people don't know this, but states have their own version of the Code of Federal Regulations. It may not be called that. Like in Illinois, it's called the Illinois Administrative Code. It's the state version of the Code of Federal Regulations. So you need to find that executive branch enactment of how to regulate what the legislature at the state did. That's number four. Number five, locate the Internet link to the county laws, and number six, locate the Internet link to the city or municipal laws that affect you. Once you have that, then you add in your United Nations International Human Rights, the Charter of the United Nations, and then you can get a lot of the declarations either from my website or from the UN, and, you know, you can kind of find it that way. But that that reading material right there, pretty much between the federal constitution, the international human rights, then you come back to the United States codes and work your way down. That's the that, once you get that list and you accumulate how to get to the information, your reading sequence should be Constitution for the United States, amendments to the Constitution. International Human Rights, Charter and Declarations, then you come back to the list and go to the United States Codes on down. That, that would be the sequence. Now, once you kind of have your list, however you choose to read through it, um, there's one additional piece that you have to, I would recommend that you actually isolate as a separate one. You have to find and get access to either a soft copy or hard copy your state rules of civil procedure and your state rules of criminal procedure. Um, if you don't understand that, um, and then the federal rules of civil procedure and the federal rules of criminal procedure, but I would typically say state. Most folks end up in state court faster than they end up in federal court. So I would say that start at the state court and understand the basic procedures of how to go in, how to either file a complaint or defend against a complaint and how to get the court to do what you need them to do to move your stuff forward. Right. That's really, that's really, it's kind of like an instruction, like if, you, if you're on Medicare or Medicaid and you need to go to the doctor and you need to give them your little card so that you can get the services, you got to know mm -hmm. how to go fill out the application for Medicare and Medicaid first, right? Right. Right. If, um, if you want to go file for, let's say you got laid off your job, you need to go file for unemployment. Somebody's got to say, oh, well, the unemployment office is over here, and you're going to go fill out this application. When you fill out, you know, your friends will be able to tell you. You fill out the application, you put this and put that, and then they're going to keep right. you 
in the system, and you got to show that you're looking for a job, and then you do this, and you report in here, and you fill out these forms, and you keep doing this, da 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 da. It's the same Processing. thing. Right. Right. You got to learn the rules of civil procedures. It's a process. You got to learn that just like you do any other process when you access government services. If you file a complaint at the police office, you go down there and you fill out a form and you talk to somebody and you follow a procedure for that. If you want to lobby to have a law not passed, there's a procedure to register as a lobbyist. There's a procedure for that. So you just kind of find out what the procedure is. That's part of you learning your remedy. And the more you work at it, it's just like a muscle. Right now, the muscle might be really infantile and childish because you've never used it before, and that's not a bad thing. It's not, say, childish in, a, in an immature, bad way, but meaning childish, immature, you don't know and haven't exercised that muscle in that way. So you actually have to spend a little bit of time every day strengthening that muscle. Um, you can actually go to court and just watch what they do and just take notes. I mean, it is free. Right. <laughs> and you did pay for it. I mean, you did pay for it. So if you want to go in there and listen and watch and see what's going on, take the kids down there. And I took my kids downtown one time. I took them up to the local courthouse, too. I want them to see what it was. They need to see that. They don't need to wait until they get in trouble and then try to figure it out. Help them understand. Right. They'll even give you a tour. They'll show you how it works. So why not take advantage of that? That's that's part of you getting your remedy. The, those people are there in that building on taxpayer dollars to help you. So remember, if you go to the law library, if you're trying to look this stuff up, go ask the law librarian. It's like ask them for help. You know, I just want to learn about, you know, how I can do some studies to understand what my rights are. And they'll be like, okay, where do you want to start? And if you'll be like, well, this is my reading list. And they'll be like, oh, okay, well, let me go take you over here and show you where the stuff is. They'll help you. You know, it's not as it's not as adversarial as what people think it is. It becomes adversarial when you're like a bull in a china shop and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you're coming in there acting like you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not even close. If you're close, they'll work with you. But if you're not close, they're going to really get pissed at you. That's just personal experience. Well, you want <laughs> Yeah, you, they become very angry, not because they don't want to listen to you, but because you're so off base that they can't help you even a little bit because you're so off base. That's when they're kind of like, they'll say, you just need to get an attorney. Like the last time I was in front of a judge, I actually asked the judge, would you write the order for me? And he smirked at me and looked at me like, really? <laughs> You want me to write? You're over here doing all this stuff that you're doing, and you really think that I need to help you write your own order? No, sir. You go over there and write your own order and give it to me. Because I was able to articulate what rule I was using that substantiated what I needed him to do, and it made sense to him. So he was like, okay, I'm going to give you that. Cool. All right, you go write the order, bring it back, I'll sign it. And then I moved on and handled what I needed to do. You know, but you gotta you gotta spend time on it. You can't treat it like, okay, I'm gonna go into court and put all this stuff down and think that they're just gonna hand you something. It's a process. Average court case takes about two years. So don't jump in there thinking it's gonna be done in thirty days. It's not gonna happen. Right. So yeah, it so from the from the studies perspective, that would be the, the recommended list. And if you have a specific topic that you want I will add this in to the to the callers and the listeners. 
Um, if you ever have the opportunity to go to the law library, there are two types of books that have the laws or statutes in them. There's one book that has the code or statute, and there's another one that will be referred to as the annotated version. Mm-hmm. The annotated version will have the law, and it will list court cases that interpreted that section of the law so that you can see how the judicial branch looked at and interpreted that one sentence by itself of the law. Because you can come up with your own definition, but it means absolutely nothing in that matrix. You have to get the judicial branch's interpretation of it, find one that matches what you're trying to do, and put that in front of the judge and say, hey, this judge that's above you looked at the way I'm looking at it, so you need to do it like I'm asking you to do it. That's how you do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that simple. So you got to spend the time taking a look at it. But the, the basics, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of places out there that have information online. Um, however, in my experience, it can be very confusing if you don't understand at least the con- the federal constitution and your state constitution. If you haven't even read those and you go on to some of these sites and start studying, um, I don't think that's a good idea. You have to have a firm foundation, and that would be the firm foundation. The, the federal constitution and the state constitution need to come first. Then you start taking a look at the, the U.N. Charter and all the rest of that stuff. you you got to have that, that really, really foundation. Okay. So go ahead, brother. Yes, indeed. I want to say thank you to the uh Person in the chat, way to coyote. Thank you for that question. It was a wonderful question and has extracted some wonderful information. I definitely hope that the family has patent pen, putting it to work, jotting these things down. And if you missed anything, download it. You know, catch the archive. This is definitely going to be one that I'm going back to. All right. So let me go to. We have another call on the queue. Again, family, we actually have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to press 1. Or if you are in the chat, you got any questions, comments, or concerns, drop them in the chat and we'll relay them, I guess, okay? So I'm going to go to caller from 516-516-881-516, caller. Peace, Lord. Greetings to the brother and salutations. I, um, I was a little late and um. I've had some interruptions, so I might have missed it. But um, doesn't doesn't the United States reserve uh, sovereign immunity, and you know, to uh, defer from uh, being sued? It does in certain cases. The United States does, yes. However, um, that sovereign immunity under the 11th Amendment from suit does not apply to constitutional violations. Okay. Um, so it, now, now, now you got you to, if you would just allow me just a second, brother. When you deal with constitutional violations, you're talking about Fifth Amendment, which is the federal violating your rights, or Fourteenth Amendment, where the, the state violates your rights. You don't necessarily have to be a Fourteenth Amendment citizen to have 14th Amendment protections. The 14th Amendment prevents the state from violating your federal constitutional rights. The Fifth Amendment 
prohibits and prevents the federal government from violating your constitutional federal rights. So if under Article 6, the Supremacy Clause, a treaty is a supreme law of the land, the Charter of the United Nations falls under Article 6, Supremacy Clause, federal question, and any violation of your international human rights are not subject to the 11th Amendment immunity under the Supremacy Clause because the treaty and the constitutions are the supreme law of land, and if you have a constitutional right to international human rights, you can't hide under immunity. Okay, very well. You answered my question very well. I appreciate that, bro. I have a, uh, something was mentioned in the chat that I want to bring to the fore that I didn't hear mentioned, okay? Okay. And um, uh, the brother said that um, it was made. It was mentioned that the United States did not sign in to the ICC, or International Criminal Court, and um, therefore, uh, um, I can't even recall it, and I can't pull it back out of the chat fully, so I'm going to do my best to paraphrase if somebody else can scroll scroll up and see it. Um, he said so that when you, under that condition, the fact that they're not, they can't be held liable for that and that you can't find remedy, especially if you're a United States citizen, because they didn't sign on to the International Criminal Court Agreement. Hold on, let me see if the brother's line dropped. Yeah, his line dropped. Give him one second, he'll be calling back in. There he goes. Yeah. Caller from the 708. Dr. Nasir, please. Okay. Yeah, brother, you would have to restate that. So you were talking about the International Court of Justice or the International Criminal Court because they are two distinct entities. There's the World Court, there's the International Criminal Court, and then there's the International Court of Justice. Which one would you be referring to? I'm, I'm referencing ICC, International Criminal Court. Okay, the the International Court of Justice is an organ of the United Nations. The ICC right. is different. So right. I would be referring to, yeah, the ICJ is actually under Article 7 of the Charter, just like the General Assembly, the Security Council, uh, Economic and Social Council, the ICJ, the International Court of Justice falls as an arm of the UN. So you'd have to look at when the legislature ratified the Charter of the United Nations, did they identify any exceptions to um, to that ICJ jurisdiction? And usually they do, but you kind of have to kind of take a look at that. You know, you have to you have to be aware of that. Um, like for instance, there's a, and this is just kind of somewhat relevant. The International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights is a separate treaty that was created by the UN that the US signed and ratified. And when they ratified it, they included a list of provisos or exceptions. You see what I'm saying? It's like Yeah. You mean it's like, okay, the United States reserves the right subject to constraints to impose capital punishment on anybody based on our law. So they was like, We don't care what you say, if we want to take him out because he did some heinous stuff, we're gonna take him out regardless of what that is. So they made exceptions listed when they adopted that. So you have to go back and look at what the exceptions were under the ICJ when they signed and ratified the Charter of the United Nations and made it yeah, federal. Yeah, what, what they built into it conditionally. Okay, one more question, bro, then I want to let sure. somebody else go because uh, 
I am learning a lot, and I'm addicted to learning. So but, um, <laughs> that, that, that's a good thing. When China killed those people for, for protesting in Tiananmen Square, for what reason were they able to escape any type of, of, of consequence or recompense for that or accountability? <laughs> for those uh, I'll put it to you this way. That would fall into the general category of what I call collective violence. That's even beyond human rights. Um, the same way of, are you familiar with the eugenics program on the East Coast? I'm, I'm familiar with the initiation of it over in Europe and how it has, and that and that has been modified and, and 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 built upon, but no, not the one here on the East Coast per se. Yeah, basically they were using that. They used it first on those who were deemed uh, mentally retarded, and then they started putting it on minorities, and basically started classifying them as unwanted, and then sterilizing them so they couldn't reproduce. Um, those types of actions by the state are usually very difficult for folks to bring unless one nation state attacks the other nation state in that venue. Okay, like for instance, the Hague has its own court as well. But there are stipulations between who can go before the Hague and who cannot go before the Hague. So if you aren't a party that the Hague acknowledges or recognizes or you haven't sought recognition, privately or with a group or with your own indigenous government or what have you, then you could not bring someone to The Hague to, to enforce Hague or international law. So a lot of these questions that you're asking are based on who is actually going to take the risk to piss China off to take them to court knowing that China produces a lot of their products. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're going to really yeah, piss them off? And then they shut you up. You see what I mean? So it's kind of like a, it's not just a human rights question. It's a question of who wants to be bold enough to go out there and be like, I don't care what you do. I'm coming to get you. That's just wrong. And there are human rights defenders in China that end up missing because yeah. they aren't scared. They end up missing all the time. And there are actually, if you type in a human rights defender on the Internet, you'll see a lot of websites pop up where there are actually support organizations for human rights defenders to protect them. Because people get mad. Yeah. You know, and my thing is, well, you know, the government can get mad if you want to, but as a government, it's your job to protect me. So do your job. So I'm trying to yeah, help you. And I understand that, bro, perfectly. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, no problem at all, brother. That was a very pointed okay. question. Thank you, brother. Welcome. Peace. Peace. Peace to the Cosmocrat. Peace. Okay, I have another caller. Call queue. Caller from 917-917-943-917. Caller. Peace. Peace to the family. What's good? What's good? How's everybody doing tonight? Wonderful. Wonderful. And yourself, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, this is, um, this is, this is Scotty, um, calling out of North Carolina, but, um, the brother made some real interesting points and he made a lot of things clear to me because, um, I was taking a political science class, an international relations class a couple of years ago. And the thing about the belly button, and if you have a belly button, you have like human rights to 
ever like that. That sounded very familiar in something I read before, and the, and the professor he was trying to get into it, but he he really wasn't trying to let it go like that. You know what I mean? So he really the brother tonight made a lot of sense. But um, I was I was up. My question is, I'm curious to know. This is um maybe a little bit off the subject, but um, and th- I guess this goes to the red pill and blue pill too. I feel like answering. Um, just, um, where did you actually study this? And this isn't like me trying to press you for your information or whatever, but um, like where did you get your education? And um, was it independent study or was it through formal education? And what did you study? What sort of um degree do you guys have? Uh, who do you want to go first, brother? Um, me. Hey, whoever. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree in biology. I have a master's in business administration with a focus in technology management. Um, I have a yellow belt certification in Six Sigma. Um, I did IT outsourcing project management for several years. And um, then I switched over and applied my regimen to research on the Paleo-Americans and Paleo-Indians. So it was a mixture of my undergraduate studies in biology with the rigor and study of analyzing problems that I acquired in corporate America, and I kind of meshed the two together into my book on Paleo-Americans and Mound Builders. And once I realized that this information I thought was pretty important, I had to figure out, what is there any mechanism out there to actually take this and put it into use? That's when I started the self-study on international human rights because the information there was there's there's one key phrase that pops up all across a lot of the UN information and it's called self-determination. So based on the the precept and the concept and the ideal in practice of self-determination folks have to realize that whatever you spell on yourself, whatever you say is pretty much the way that things are to respond to you. So yeah, yeah and that and that was both <laughs> Yeah, so that that's and it's actually even though they have placed it into the statute and into the declaration, is really a natural law spiritual concept that they have put into language that creates that same reverberation of what so you say it, so it is. So you speak it, so it will be. And that means all areas of your life. It isn't just who you call yourself, what you call yourself, what your race is, what you agree, don't agree with, believe, don't believe, think it's fact, not fact. You know, everything is an issue of self-determination in all areas of your life. So, yeah, it was it was a self-study in an attempt to isolate what was the problem. I was like, what's the problem? What What really is missing with all of this information? And how can people actually find a way to use it in whatever way works for them that doesn't pigeonhole them into one way to do it. That was my issue. It was like everybody says that their way works, which is true, because that's what they self-determine it to be true. So it's true because they self-determine that their way works. However, each of these ways are not mutually exclusive. So I wanted to find what is a mechanism that allows a person to self-determine identifying their own remedy and a way for them to kind of self-correct where they are and what they want to do with themselves and then move forward in power and strength and truth, but not be kind of totally constrained 
to modifying something to suit their individual needs. And I found out that this international human rights is a mechanism that was laid forward exactly for that purpose. That's what it was designed to do. Okay. All right, that's what's up. And you made it, you also made it clear, like, the difference between, like, human rights as, like, self-determination and things like that, and also, like, say, like, human rights abuse, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people, when you say human rights, they automatically think, like, some sort of abuse or something, you know? So it was in, that, that, that was also an interesting point. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's the funny thing is unless you actually sit down and read some of these declarations, you probably have a very I'm gonna I'm gonna use the technical term. I don't mean this as an insinuation of a person's intellectual capacity. I mean it as the depth of understanding meaning exposure. They will have a very shallow exposure to exactly how deep that swimming pool is. It's not like me taking a bucket of water and putting it across the driveway and you saying you're walking on water. That's not what I'm talking about. These human rights declarations are, like, deep, bro. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, uh, and it covers, like, everything. I mean, discrimination against women. There's actually a declaration on social progress and development, which was interesting because um, there was an elder who I was working on with a problem, and she was a beneficiary of a federal program to help her with her mortgage, and she was denied equal protection of that program. And so I raised, helped her learn how to raise that in court, and this particular declaration was cited in support of that because the government has the obligation to execute the laws to promote social progress and development. So if these programs are there to benefit the people, then they're supposed to actually, what, benefit the people. Right. So there's a declaration that says, yeah, the government has an obligation to make sure that the society and the social structure and the mindset under that are all supposed to be progressing and developing for the benefit of the humans, not the corporations. Yes. Hello, caller, is that your phone with the uh, reverb in the background? Oh, um, no, is it good now? Yeah, it's much better. Okay, okay, my fault. No problem. Mike, I'll I'll give you an example. Um, I'll give you an example, and then I'm going to let the brother go. Um, The Declaration on Social Progress and Development, Article 4, says... The family as a basic unit of society and the natural environment for the growth and well-being of all of its members, comma, particularly children and youth, should be assisted and protected so that it may fully assume its responsibilities within the community. Parents have the exclusive right to determine freely and responsible the number and spacing of their children. You see what I'm saying? It's like this Declaration of Social Progress and Development says the family is the basic unit of society, not a corporation. Right. So right, everything well, should but... be centered around the family. You see what I'm saying? Everything is centered around the family, 
screw the corporations because the corporations sell services and products to the family. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like if you if you start to read these declarations, your eyes won't look at everything the same way. You have a different set. It's going to change the colors on your glasses, on your lens, on how you look at everything because it'll recalibrate everything that you have presumed as the way that it's supposed to be. It will recalibrate all of that. It's like a chiropractor. It'll straighten your back up. You'll hear your back straighten up. And you'll go, right, oh, yeah. All right, that's what's up. That's, 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 that's what's up. That's something to look into. Absolutely. Glad I could that's be able to look into. Well, appreciate it, appreciate it. And like I said, I came, from, I came from, like, an academic background, you know what I'm saying? So using this information as far as academics go, you know what I mean? That's, you know what I'm saying? That's popping for me right now, you know what I mean? And it's... That's what's up. I appreciate it. Okay, then before you go, spend time also going to UNESCO's website and go through all the UNESCO declarations because UNESCO's constitution was made into a federal statute at large, too, and the United States federal government is bound to UNESCO declarations just like they are U.N. General Assembly, and all of the educational, scientific, and cultural declarations, if you're into academia, you need to take a look at that because they have codes of ethics and they have prohibitions on things that academia can and can't do and what they are supposed to be doing and the spirit in which they're supposed to be doing it as well. They have a lot of stuff over there in UNESCO that I think you would find extremely interesting. Hmm? There's, a, there's a clause in one of the treaties, I think it's Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, that says everyone has the right to benefit from the advancements of science. Wow. Mm. Which, yeah, so which was the basis of me saying, oh, okay, well, since you admitted that Paleo-Americans were Negroes and they were here first, then I should benefit from that. Thank you very much. I'm a Paleo-American. Have a nice day. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Ain't nothing else to talk about. There's no more argument. I'm done. That's that's free smartphones for everybody, too? (laughs) (laughs) Now you understand what's going on. It's like, oh, okay, they're giving humans free stuff. Social progress. But you got to wow. be careful on what they're trying to do with it. You see what I'm saying? You got to know. Okay, well, cool. I got to sign this contract. But if there are clauses in the contract that rely, that require you to keep certain pieces of my biometric data, are you violating my international human rights by asking for that as a condition to do this? Right. Because then any contract clause that violates the law is void. That clause is void. The rest of it still affects it, but that clause is void. And you can basically invalidate things by pointing out, well, you can't do that. That violates international human rights law. You can't do that. The rest of it's cool, but not that. Right. Caller, definitely want to say thank you, Caller. Yeah, okay. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, I I went to UCLA, you know what I'm saying, for the record. That's a university of the corner of Lenox Avenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard Hakeem Bay say that on the, on the episode before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was no, an no, understudy. I, he studied on the fourth. I studied on the <laughs> <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. I, I, actually, I actually went to LIU. I actually went to Long Island University in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, was, I was all around. I was all around everybody, you know what I mean? All these guys selling DVDs, like I'd go talk to him between classes and shit, you know what I mean? And that yeah, actually led me to you guys. We held the lectures at. We held them at LIU. Yeah, LIU yeah, yeah. Part of the legacy. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. 
Definitely. Well, I appreciate thank it, brother. You, brother. Yeah, Absolutely. no doubt, no doubt. If thanks, bro. Peace. All right, peace. Okay, we have a few more hands up in the call queue. Let me go to okay. caller from 762-762-333-762. Caller, peace. Peace, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good evening, brother. Good evening. Love and light to all you brothers on the line, <clears throat> the Twin Pillars, uh, Minister Ali. Um, got a got a question, but I'm gonna preface it like this because I gotta give it its context. If I just ask the question, it might it might not you might not get it right. So, a few years back, uh, I used common law, uh, federal common law, constitutional law, and international law to change my name from the name that I had listed on my quote-unquote birth certificate instrument. Okay. I changed the name at the uh, with the, uh, the, the, the DMV, that corporation. I changed the name with that corporation. They were good to go. I gave them all, the, uh, ju- all my justification via affidavit uh, that listed the federal common law and the international law, and they took, they accepted it, and they changed the name on my ID card and my license to that name. Okay. A, about a year ago, I got pulled over. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I was in an accident. Police came, and I got locked up because my license wasn't straight. So, okay, I can accept that. My license wasn't right. But when it came time for me to, 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 uh, to go to trial, they started playing games with me. Uh, what happened was on the scene, I gave the officer official notice, legal notice of who I was and my political status and so on and so forth. He never responded. I gave him 30 days to respond. He never responded. Went to court and they separated me from everyone else and, and, and they made sure that, you know, nobody would hear what I have to say, whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I know that was coming. I, I get in court. I get in court and they start playing games with me, right? So I'm like, okay, I see what's going, I see what's going on here. But what happened was, the, the gist of my my point is that what happened was they kept pushing my trial date back. To, uh, they would not, they would, they would, they kept making me come back for trial. But when I get there, they said, "Well, come back another time." And I come back another time. They said, "Well, come back another time." And it kept going for like two, three court terms. They were even violating their own laws, and I'm talking about the state of Georgia here. Georgia was violating their own laws by by them keep on pushing my court case back. And the reason was because the, the affidavit that I was submitting to them put down international human rights law that I was saying that belonged to me and that I need them, uh, as the judge, as my as the, as the trustee or whatnot, to protect me, you know what I'm saying, uh, protect me with those laws. So they kept pushing it back, they kept pushing it back. Finally, they figured out what my previous name was, and they changed the whole docket. Like, my docket went from my, 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 my corrected name. Then all of a sudden, I get there another day. They changed the docket to my old birth certificate name and proceeded with the, chi- with the trial, ignoring every piece of paper I submitted to them that had human rights law on it. My question to you, have you ever seen this before? And if so, how did you deal with it? In, in terms of them putting, making you a birth certificate as opposed to a human being? Um, they were not filing a case against you. They were filing a case against your estate, brother. It wasn't you. Okay, um, go look this up. 26 U.S.C. 6109A. 
Okay, I got that. I'm, 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 I got it down. All right, last sentence, it says, the identifying number of an individual or his estate shall be such individual's social security account number. And the birth certificate is an instrument, and it's an obligation of the United States. So as trusts and estates that consider U.S. persons, 26 U.S.C. 7701-830-E, that social security account number slash birth certificate transaction is actually a separate U.S. citizen. Right. Okay, I understand that. They're not, they're, not, they're not talking to you, and they never were. But just don't use the word straw man. That word should be stricken from your vocabulary. That's called your estate, brother. Don't use that. Okay. Anymore. That's your estate, so, and, and that's why they changed the name back because they couldn't really deal with you. <laughs> they right, wanted right. to get your estate, brother. They, they just doing bookkeeping. Just remember, don't don't take nothing personal with what they do. It's always financial. When when you found that they were in default and they didn't answer you, you should have tendered a payment to them and discharged the obligation and let them go on and, and, and handle that, bro. And then if they came after you, then you should have said, oh, you planned that bondage. So that's different. You know, that's you're trying to slave I gave you what you asked for. You need to go away. Now you're trying to do this. Now you're trying to enslave me. That's something different. Now you, you're just trying to get some credits because, you know, the tax structure's all jacked up. you all hard up for money. That's one thing. But when you get into debt bondage after I tender the payment to you and you act like you didn't get it and then I discharge the obligation, you still coming? Ah, that's, that's, that's illegal and unlawful, and now i got a problem with you. That's different. <clears throat> See, when, when they didn't answer, you should have put them in default and dishonor and notice final discharge of the obligation and been like, nope, stop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah, remember, Quick, remember, every, every, everything is always commercial, bro. Just they only doing that because the bank is a bench to see the justice. They just, bro, it's, it's a money changer system. Help them do what they need to do. Okay, the court system is there to generate revenue for the county. That's what it's there for. That's what it does. It generates money for the county. You pay your fees to appear. You pay your fees to fight. They get judgments. They do collections. They do sales. They do sheriff sales. They make money. They help turn property over. They make money for the people. They help make money. Even though they're getting paid to do their job, they also want to generate additional revenue to make money for the county. So it's a mm-hmm. money issue. It's not really a personal issue. I mean, even mm-hmm. even a ticket being a citation um, think about what a citation is. If you've ever been in a court case where you got a judgment against somebody and then they don't pay, you go in and ask the judge to issue an order for citation of assets, meaning, judge, I want to issue a citation to discover what he has so I can get something. So when a ticket is issued as a citation, that means they want to find out what you got so they get some. Okay, well, fine. Here, take this one and go away. That's all. They just want some money, bro. That's all. None personal. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I and I figured it wasn't personal, but I knew it wasn't personal. I just wanted to see if somebody else had went through the same thing I've been through. So for all the listeners, please understand that their brother is so right. I, I, I'm I, I'm testifying that the brother is right on that. Real talk. I mean, it's all a corporate game. Stay away from that birth certificate because they're trying to get them them them, them, them that out your pocket by any means necessary. But I got another question, real quick, brother. Mm-hmm. Do you use any of the international law instruments of the Organization of American States, and if so, is it effective? Um, we made reference to them when we did some work, and we sent out some communications. Um, 